Attention, everyone. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear is not a mistake. You are listening to They Must Be Destroyed On Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight! Hello and welcome to They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 303, and I'm your host, Lee Russell. Everybody knows I'm just a drunk. And I am joined by my lovely co-hostess with the mostest, Lady Lee Hardy. Everything I touch has a way of exploding. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I haven't exploded anything yet today, so I think we're good. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, 2023 is over with. It, what? We're, we're well into the first month of 2024 now. Uh, just January. finished the first week. Yeah. So it's time to uh, do our annual, hey, what did we watch for the first time this year that we thought was good? Uh, what we thought was great and what we thought was a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way we're doing it. I tried and this... Lee's made fun of me behind the scenes for this because I had like so many films on my best of list uh, this year that I I desperately needed to pare them down. And so we both have a top 10 and a bottom 10. And then we have honorable mentions. Lee has a respectable amount of honorable mentions. I have also watched a lot less movies than you have this year. Yes, true. But your honorable mentions list, you got three films, right? I have three. I um, only have three. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have 12. So a lot of those were originally as well on my my top list. You know, originally, I was going to go over top 20, but I was like, you know what? I don't want this episode to run like three fucking hours. So I, I won. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and at least I'm recording this episode, you know, like that's there's been times in the past where that's not happened. So um yeah, and oh, we got CB Fall in the chat. We're actually live on my YouTube channel right now too. Usually we don't do this live, but I just thought I'd do it for for shits and giggles. So CB Fall's in there. Hello, CB Fall. Hope hope you're uh, doing well. Hope you're having a good night. And um, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. So we're you know we're gonna get into our our lists here. We don't have any other real preamble, I don't think. Um, other than um, so I, I did put a the call for, Hey, anyone have some movies they thought were great or shitty or whatever. And what, what do you think? Let us know. Uh, only one person let us know was a friend of yours through a worst movie of the year. Our way. Yes. Yes. Uh, so my uh, buddy, Matt from work, mm-hmm. he, I asked him real quick cause he's, he is a movie person. Mm-hmm. He works in the movie industry. He has worked on a lot of local films in North Bay here. Okay. And do you think I remember what one it is? No, but I did text I, to you. So I, I do have it 
I do have it written down. It's uh, Rebel Moon from 2023, directed by Zack Snyder. Yes. So uh, my friend said that it is terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is awful. He gave me a massive explanation on why it was awful. I don't remember it because I have a terrible memory. <laughs> but all you have to remember is that this is a terrible movie. And uh, yeah, they said that they for the movie, instead of like kind of developing the characters, they told you what you need to know instead. Oh, really? So yeah, a so lot was, of narration and shit? It wasn't narration. It was just like more like exposition. They, just like Yeah, exposition. That was the word. Okay. He said there was a lot of expedition. Um, it was very boring. <laughs> He said it like the plot was like there, and he thought like, oh yeah, cool. There's gonna be something that happens with this plot, and then it just went. <laughs> so yeah, it's supposed to be part one of like an ongoing series, and like originally it was, I believe it was something Zack Snyder originally like pitched to like George Lucas as like, hey, this could be a Star Wars movie, and they rejected it or something, and so he just sort of kept it and rewrote it to make his own like space opera kind of thing. And I could see why that would, you know, necessitate, Hey, when I'm rewriting this, I've now got to explain the entire fucking story, you know, kind of thing. Like I got to set everything up as opposed to star Wars, where there's a lot of shit that's already set up. You don't have to explain as much. You can just get right into it. Right. Like all you need is that little tr traditional star Wars crawl saying episode this or whatever. Here's what happened. Now let's just get into it. Uh, kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. either way, I'm not a big fan of Zack Snyder anyway. And uh, yeah, I've heard not, pretty much nothing but bad things about it, except for like from contrarians who want to like say, oh, no, best movie of the year, dog, you know, because it's not a Marvel movie or some shit, you know, like, OK, whatever. <laughs> and CB Falls is uh, he's doing fantastic. Happy 2024. There we go. Yeah, happy Yay, 2024. Happy 2024. All right. That was exciting. <laughs> yeah. Where we got we got interaction on the chat. Um I think someone else mentioned another movie. I oh really? I, sent it to you. I already forgot. Um if I can find it, then yes. If not, then no. Okay. No, I didn't send and I don't remember the name of it, so oh. never mind. Okay. But, but that movie sucked, right? Or was it great? Did they say it was good or did they say? What it was, was it called? Something about a hand? Something hand? Oh, talk, talk to me. Yeah, talk to my yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. That, was, that was a good movie, good horror movie. Yeah, it, he said that it was. So this is somebody different. This is a, a, a coworker. Mm -hmm. He said it was a mixture of like being serious and being ridiculous all in one movie. It's a Zoomer horror movie, so it's like young kids. So like, you know, like young teenagers. So like, however teenagers are these days with connected to their handheld devices and, uh, you know, not like you and me, especially not like you, you know, who, who never uses her cell phone and, uh, never exactly. Never. Um, I've never run my phone, never sending links to our live stream to people while we're doing the video. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got, <laughs> we got our friend Dan saying, what am I missing? Can you start from the start? LOL, hi. We, we're already, we've already started, but you, you missed absolutely nothing, Dan. So shut the fuck up and watch or don't watch. Well, either way, you know, it's fine. But hello, Dan. Hope, hope you're having a good night as well. Or a night. A night. <laughs> hey, just, um, nights aren't guaranteed anymore. Uh, having a night is, is better than being six feet under or 
whatever. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we, we're going to get into our honorable mentions first. And uh, again, you know, people uh, following at home, these are not necessarily movies from 2023. These are just movies we watched for the first time in 2023. So, you know, there might be some movies do pop up in this list, of course, as to be expected, but it just keep in mind that, hey, I saw this movie from 1970 for the first time in 2023, and it was fucking awesome, and so here's why, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, so these are sort of the movies that kind of just get, like, the mild applause. Everybody knows I'm just a drunk. That was the wrong button, but that's because I'm a drunk. <laughs> That's a respectable applause. These are honorable mentions. We thought they were good. They just weren't good enough to hit the top 10. So uh, I'll let you throw over to your uh, list first there, Lee. All right. So my um, honorable mentions are more just stuff. I don't think it would be like things that I found absolutely amazing, but just mm -hmm. ones that uh, I remember. There was something about them that kind of stuck to my brain, but they weren't good enough to get onto my list. Um, this year, I really haven't watched that many new movies um so i didn't have much to go off of mm -hmm. but uh these ones didn't i didn't feel like they should have made it onto my top but i do think i wanted to mention them because of just small things yeah anyways one of them um the first one i'm not going to go too much in detail because we literally just reviewed it but uh freebie and the bean yep um i'm throwing that on my honorable mentions because uh one the stunt work is insane like just mm. insane and then the uh, the acting, like the volleying off of each other, that whole movie, that yeah. was entirely like natural. That was just, hey, guys, let's do this. And I don't see it being replicated ever because then they're just trying too hard. They're forcing it. Like that was right. something that was very natural in the moment that happened. So that gets on to my honorable mentions because of those two reasons. Cool. Or am I just doing all of them? Yeah, just go through all of them. Oh, okay. Well, then I get to listen to you for 12 movies. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one on the list is All About Evil. So that one came out in 2010. Mm -hmm. And that is the one that had Natasha Lyonne and Cassandra Peterson in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Elvira herself, mm -hmm. which is hilarious because uh, during the movie, Cassandra's son, like, Cassandra's obviously not real son, acting son, mm -hmm. has a picture of Alvira on the wall, and they made a sex joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, that's weird. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> that's her. Anyways, it was just really stupid. Uh, this movie was so stupid. I loved it. Like, it was just this entirely like, let's figure out how to murder people in the most ridiculous way possible. Mm -hmm. um, there was a guillotine that couldn't fit heads, so they chopped off boobies instead. Yeah. <laughs> and there was just so – it was so weird. It was so weird. The ending was kind of disappointing because, like, obviously get caught, but it just felt like kind of everything perfectly fell into the place at the end. Mm -hmm. So um, minus some points on that. But overall, it's a really fun movie, like an entertaining movie to watch. Like, it's just so stupid. So great. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Um, and my last one is, so this one had to make it onto my list. And uh, I think Greg will appreciate this one because we watched it together. I tried to, and I fell asleep, but Arabella, the black uh -huh. Angel from 1989. Um, <laughs> so never mind the obvious. If you want to watch the actual episode of like why I love this so much, 
<laughs> you can watch it. But it made it onto my list because there was visuals that were very lovely to look at. And there was also a cool storyline that combined together. So I'm going to uh, get into my list here and I'll, I'll echo that right away. Arabella Black Angel, uh, directed by Stelvio Massi from 1989. Just a lot of fun. Like, just a trashy Italian horror movie. It had some kinky stuff in it. It had some positive and not so positive depictions of uh, of the people from, you know, uh, queer uh, culture and stuff like that in it. But, I mean, for the most part, it's really hard to take serious, so it's not, like, super offensive or anything like that. It was probably much more transgressive back in its day uh, when it first came out. But, um, but yeah, yeah, no, uh, I like that one quite a bit. Moving on, uh, I'll say Code of Silence from 1985, directed by Andrew Davis. This is a Chuck Norris film, and it's uh, I'm just listening on here because it's probably the best Chuck Norris film I watched other than um, Lone Wolf McQuaid. Uh, it's probably his best work. He's got really good actors around him, making sure he doesn't slip up too much. And uh, it's got a good pace and a lot of action, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'll mention two uh, documentaries people should watch that came out in 2022. Uh, the Pez Outlaw, directed by Brian Storkel, and uh, Amy Storkel and Mr. Organ, directed by David Ferrier. And uh, these are just two interesting documentaries. Pez Outlaw uh, looks at uh, a guy who basically started a, a Pez, like he went to Europe to where Pez was made in a factory and like started buying it there. And then, you know, taking it back to the conventions and stuff because Pez is a big niche little uh, thing in, in certain conventions and for knickknacks and collectors and stuff like that. And he just started making a killing off them. And to the point where the head of Pez in uh, America decided he was going to come down on this guy and crush him. And, and it's basically the story of that. It's like the real life story of that. Um, and it's a very interesting story. You wouldn't think it would be with just like Pez candy dispensers, but it's actually a really moving story. Uh, Mr. Organ is this guy, David Ferrier, who's a journalist. Uh, he, he falls into the world of this incredibly uh, intimidating and also boring narcissist uh, who's like a professional conman who has had many different like names and professions, and he runs afoul of them while this guy is running this sort of uh, scammy, like put a boot on a car business kind of thing with this antique dealer. It's like anyone who parks out in front of her antique shop, he immediately just jumps on their car and puts the puts the boot on on their car and then like extorts them for money. It's like, hey, we can keep the police out of this if you give me this much money to take the boot off my car or whatever kind of thing. Hmm. And and it's basically just David Ferrier investigating this and the titular Mr. Organ. He takes an interest in David's life, which is the worst possible thing that could happen to you. Because once Mr. Organ gets interested in your life, he starts involving himself in every aspect of your life and makes you part of his story and his drama um, to the point where he's like getting a copy of a key to your house and then phoning you up and, you know, nonchalantly telling you about it. Oh, by the way, David, I have a copy of your key to your house. And he's like, what? Yeah, I have a copy of the key to your house. And it's, it's very, very creepy. Uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing, 
just this amazing dive into the mind of like a just a total narcissist and what those people can do to you. Then we have uh, the menu from 2022, Mark Malode, just a great black comedy about uh, workers and professionals and the value of their work and professional workers. <laughs> yes, professional workers, you know, in the food industry in this case. And uh, I liked it a lot. It, it's got some good tension. It's funny. Uh, it's got some very striking scenes. I don't want to, you know, ruin too much uh, for people who haven't seen it. People apparently in the food industry connect with this film quite a bit. Uh, apparently, um, it's very true to life with the uh, how worker how workers in that industry uh, tend to feel, like chefs, professional chefs, people who work in dining rooms and stuff like that. So um, I liked it quite a bit. I'll mention uh, The Rift from 1990, uh, directed by Juan Simon. This is a great little creature feature uh, featuring uh, miniatures, featuring a bunch of great special effects, just gooey monsters and shit. Doesn't make a lot of sense. It's basically the submarine goes down into this titular rift under under the ocean looking for a previous submarine uh, and, and seeing what happened. And uh, they run into a bunch of monsters. And I don't want to spoil it either because it was kind of a fun ride. Again, don't expect like a great film. Don't expect like The Abyss or Leviathan or anything like that. But it's 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 made in the wake of those films, kind of. It's, it's In fact, it, it's kind of like the cheapo direct the video version of i think it was i think it was leviathan was the one that it was made by the same uh, production uh, company same studio did that as well we have uh island claws from 1980 directed by hernan cardenas and uh i talked about this one on the podcast before i just like this one because it it promises a giant crab and it eventually gives you a giant crab and it's great it, it's very immobile, but it looks super fucking impressive. You don't expect it because the rest of the movie plays like a 1970s TV movie. But then the giant crab shows up and it's pretty fucking awesome. And uh, so I recommend it on that alone. Crab people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a lot of the actors like pretending to be scared by regular crabs that are like, you know, oh, those crabs look aggressive. It's like, okay. Then we have Connie and Carla from 2004. Uh, we oh, watched that movie. Mm -hmm. Directed by Michael Limbeck. We watched that together. I liked it quite a bit. It was very charming. Uh, very sensitive to the queer community at the time, especially for 2004. It's like fairly progressive for 2004, I'd say. Um, well, she was making sure that she was using drag queens for everything. Like she wasn't right. going outside of. So she was like learning about their culture through this movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it's one it's one of those ones that has has a heart to it, but it's really funny. David Duchovny's really good as like the straightest straight man who ever straighted. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just just highly enjoyable. We had a good time watching that together, so I wanted to mention that one. Um, I'm gonna mention a couple other ones here real quick. Night Killer from 1990, directed by Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fagasso. Um, can't recommend it as a good movie. It's it's just batshit insane. It it it, it has to be seen to be believed. Uh, just it, it has no real traditional story structure or anything like that. It's just fucking crazy pants. And we watched it on yeah, we watched it on a movie night. I'm not sure if you were there or not. I don't know if you were, but yeah, it's it's just it's gory. It's batshit. 
you never know what's going to happen. Like it's so unpredictable and it's cheapo Italian horror stuff that, you know, it's kind of a highlight of like 1990 in the Italian film industry because you don't expect anything interesting or uh, innovative. And this kind of is, even though it's like innovative for all the wrong reasons and it's highly transgressive and pretty nasty, but um, sometimes that gets you on the list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another one I'm going to mention, Zeus, the Crime Killer from 1987, uh, directed by George Panandreas. This is a vanity project for George uh, Panandreas, who stars in it. He's an incredibly uncharismatic uh, guy who kind of looks like he could be um, Harrison Ford's uh, like Latino stunt double. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just he's the super cop who's going after criminals and stuff like that. And it's an inept film, but a really action-packed one with some good stunt work. It's got some surprising moments of violence that like really, really take you back. And um, I enjoyed it. And I enjoy his charismatic performance. It's, it's a sight to behold. It's one of those, I always enjoy like seeing these um, uh, guys or gals who are like doing a vanity project where they're making themselves the star and just to see the, just the unbelievable lack of self-awareness <laughs> that they have when they, when they're, when they're acting quote unquote. And uh, George Pan Andreas is a good example of this. He's very engaging in a weird way. And the last two I'll mention here, Muppet family Christmas from 1987. What? Yeah. Another one we watched together. Just highly enjoyable. It was the exact movie I fucking needed at the time, too. So we watched that. And we also watched, uh, you know, it's a new tradition of ours where we watch uh, Muppets Christmas Carol as well. We watched this before that, and I really enjoyed it. And it's, it's a Muppets-like multiverse movie because it's, you know, it's got the Muppets. It's got Fraggle Rock. It's got Sesame Street Muppets. Um, and they're all there together, and there's some surprisingly adult jokes like if it almost feels like the last period when um the henson company was still doing some like really interesting and innovative stuff you know they were a lot, lot less cookie cutter they weren't you know bought up by disney yet i don't think so uh yeah this was really good it was a lot of fun fun jokes too you know the the slippery step and the uh <laughs> the swedish chef trying to murder a turkey and then big bird is that best friend with big bird yeah <laughs> So uh, that was really enjoyable. And uh, then my last one, Who Killed Captain Alex from 2010? And uh, no, I did not. <laughs> you are a liar. Um, it was directed by Nabwana IGG is the name he goes by. And this is Uganda's first action movie. And I put it on this list because it's it's not necessarily a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's got incredibly bad special effects. Like uh, the, the helicopter they use is CGI, and it's some of the worst CGI you'll ever see. And it's basically just Captain Alex is the super cop who kind of gets killed, and or super military guy who gets killed, something along those lines. It's a little sketchy. It's like I don't quite know what Ugandan's like political situation is and who's who and all that, but you don't really need to know that. You just need to know Captain Alex gets killed, and then it's like his brother tries to find out who killed him, and the movie somehow doesn't follow his brother for half of the film while he's trying to find this out. 
because it goes going keeps going to asides about the actual guy who killed Captain Alex, the bad guy. Like he's more of a focus in the film, and there's all these bad shooting special effects. The guns look made up and terrible. Like he, it's a real labor of love. Like it, it, you if you watched this, Lee, you would, I think you'd connect to it in the same way because. Uh, after making Ghost Beaver kick, it's 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 kind of on that same level. It's kind of like the Ghost Beaver kick of Uganda, in a way. <laughs> okay. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> mm. But it, but I I love it. There's such a labor of love for it, and like the story behind oh, yeah. it. The the guy who made it, you know, they had like power curfews and stuff in Uganda at the time where he made it in his little home village. Uh, over a period of like years or whatever and he would he had like a generator so he could you know keep his his computer running for a few extra hours in the night so he could do like editing and stuff like that and um he used like like people in his village friends and family and you can tell everyone's having a great time everyone's like excited to be in a movie and um it's great and also it's got this thing that's i, I guess a uh, sort of a tradition in uganda for movies where they have this guy who's like a he, he kind of does what we do on movie nights where we're making fun of movies or but he's he's more of a hype man but he's cracking jokes at the same time so that he's got his track playing as well over the actual soundtrack of the movie and it's it kind of gives you the ugandan theater experience because apparently this kind of thing happens in a ugandan theater where the where there's like a hype man kind of guy who's cracking jokes and like giving little personal quips and observations of the film while everyone's watching it. And apparently oh, that's wow. a thing. Yeah. It's apparently it's a thing they do in Uganda. So it's very unique and very cool. And uh, I like it. So there we go right here. We'll insert a piece of music uh, and we'll come back and uh, we're going to go through our top 10 best first time watches for 2023. <laughs> So our best first time watches for 2023. These are the ones that get uh, this.
<laughs> the cat's still going. Who's <laughs> that good? That was that good. That yeah. good. So uh, we're going to take turns uh, doing this. So, uh, Lady Lee, I'll immediately let you throw over to your uh, number 10. All right. So my number 10 is Army of Thieves. Oh. Which is basically, is it the right? I just realized something. Yes. Okay, good. I'd have to read the thing because I'm like, is this the right one? Guaranteed I can forget names and fuck mm. things up. But anyways, it's, uh, so it starts off with this guy who's like really interested in uh, safe cracking and he okay. makes videos about safe cracking, but he only has like one or zero viewers. And then finally he gets one person who views his video and it turns out it's this like group of people who are looking to do bank heists and they need, uh, somebody to crack safes for them. So they mm -hmm. grab this guy. So the movie itself is really cheesy and, uh, it's, <laughs> I think there's a lot of stuff that are like overdone about it, but I absolutely loved it. I loved uh, the visuals of it. I love the music of it. I just love the whole experience, like from beginning to end. I thought it was um, a movie that definitely kept my attention for the whole thing. So that's always nice because that's hard to do for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that is that a newer movie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it's uh, 2021. Okay. Mm -hmm. right, cool. It's. I was. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great movie. I enjoyed it. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Uh, my number 10 is Hanny Calder from 1971, directed by Burt Kennedy. Uh, this is uh, Daniel and I did a tribute episode to Raquel Welch, who passed away in the past year. So we covered Hanny Calder, and oh, I forget what the other one was. We, we uh, I'm blanking on it. Um it doesn't matter uh, but Hanny Calder really good it's it's a revenge western where basically Raquel Welch gets uh, actor Robert Culp, Culp who is a um, kind of a gunman bounty hunter type to basically show her how to shoot and become a gunslinger so she can take revenge on the uh, guys who uh, raped her and uh, it's Surprisingly touching and uh, funny at times, but also gets pretty violent. It seems like there's a little bit of metaphysical stuff going on. It seems like death is following her around, kind of like watching her, you know. Uh, Christopher Lee is in it in his only Western. So uh, it, it was an enjoyable uh, Western. It's one that had been on my list to see for quite a while and uh, glad to finally got around to seeing it. And uh, it was really good. So there we go. Really good? Like, really, really good. Really, really good. Like you, you wouldn't believe. I mean, uh, you, 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 you know, you, you, you could say that uh, it took it to a that's a whole novel level. <laughs> yeah, uh, could it could you know you, you could say that. So good, you added a second really. <laughs> um. So your number nine. Nine. So my number nine is Ready or Not from two thousand nineteen. Mm -hmm. So there's the one with um, Samara Weaving and Ada, uh, Adam Brody. Yes, Those yes. Those are like the two notable names. Um, so it's basically a woman gets married, joins a, an extremely rich family, 
And she finds out that traditionally on the wedding night, you have to play a game. And she was, mm-hmm. everybody was saying like, oh, we just had to play crazy eights or whatever, this or that. Well, she got hide and seek. And uh, what they didn't tell her was that this hide and seek game was that when they catch her, the idea is like the catching part is to kill her. Mm-hmm. So they have until dawn to find her or like the curse on their family ends up happening. Yeah. <clears throat> so the only thing I have to say is I didn't care for the ending of the movie. I thought the ending was a little bit flat, but the movie itself, I very much enjoyed uh, watching a woman run around in a wedding dress that gets like all destroyed and bloodied up and mm-hmm. seeing her face. Yeah, that was awesome. That, that whole part is awesome. Like some of the death scenes are hilarious. Again, this kind of back and forth with the more serious horror and the more comedic horror. Um, just this kind of ridiculous, like really ridiculous story that was quite entertaining to watch. It got, like I said, at the end, I was a little bit like, meh. It, it, it seemed like it was so there the whole time and the ending just fell a bit. But mm-hmm. overall, good movie. I enjoyed it. Yeah, Samara Weaving's really good. Like, there's there's her. been there's been such a stretch in the last few years of like really comedic horror movies, and she's she's pretty much like the queen of those. I think like she's just really good in every one she's in. So she was in the Babysitter, the Babysitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love her. I think I love that movie. That's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, my number nine. Uh, this is A Wounded Fawn from 2022, uh, directed by Travis Stevens. This is another one. Um, did we watch this together? I can't remember. No, I recommended it to you. You did? Yeah, you recommended it to me. That's right. Um, yeah, really cool like uh, mix of slasher and sort of psychological horror. It goes in a direction you don't really expect. It gets kind of uh, phantasmagorical, like just like trippy. Um, it kind of becomes evil dead by the end and like it kind of turns the whole genre on its head a little bit. Like you, you kind of think, you know, where it's going, like, Oh, it's a serial killer movie. And there's like, no, now it turns into kind of a slasher movie. Then it turns into like a revenge movie. And it seems like maybe the Greek furies are coming to take revenge on this serial killer. And it just goes back. What? Sorry. I think this would be a cool one to do. A podcast on yeah we were i think we were planning on doing it uh eventually on the podcast so yeah i, I should shut up and should say too much more but uh a real a real standout like it, it was just like a, a real gym um and you wouldn't expect it going into it like how good it gets so yeah, yeah. uh so you're yeah so you're number eight so my number i have two number tens uh, that's funny um <laughs> Just when I was writing it out. Uh, so my number eight is Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. Watched it for the first time this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that ending. <laughs> it had me in tears. Um, is, is that the one where Aunt May dies? I'm, I'm, I'm mixing up which. Uh, this is the which... one where uh, everybody forgets about him. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. he has to wipe everyone's memory of him, so he has nobody. So, like, his best friend, his aunt, his girlfriend, like, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I thought it was really cool that they got all the old Superbands together and like had that moment. Yes, Superman. Spider-Man. <laughs> um, I also have a soft spot for Tom Holland. I really love him as Spider-Man. He's, he's a good actor, yeah. Yeah, he's he's perfectly nerdy. Like, he's just, just really goofy. Like, I think out of the three, he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I know there's some diehards for uh, Tobey Maguire for the mm-hmm. first one, which I wasn't against. I just wasn't as big of a fan. And then it was uh, Garfield. Andrew Garfield, yeah. Andrew Garfield, think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Garfield? Yeah. Pretty sure. Okay. This sounds like a president. <laughs> um, <laughs> you might be right. I might be I don't know. I, I've never watched those. I've never watched his movies. Because <laughs> I was kind of over it by then, but. Uh, Spider-Man, what year would it be? 2000. I think the Amazing Spider-Man is, is Amazing one. Amazing Spider-Man, season twelve. Okay. Andrew Garfield, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I don't know why my brain was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there there is a president who's Andrew Garfield as well, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe now I'm just like second guessing myself. Anyways, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I enjoyed him, but I thought he was like too much of a pretty boy. He didn't have that mm-hmm. like, nerdy nerdyish side of like. Spider-Man, I find Tom Holland has that perfect, like, the kid's adorable and, like, so goofy. Yeah, he's, and he's, you know, he's, he, he sells, like, the younger Spider-Man. Like, it's supposed to be a teenager kind of thing. Uh-huh. So it's like, it, it just, it, he's got that awkwardness going on for him that the other two don't. Yeah, and that's kind of why I love the series, like, the series of Spider-Man movies versus the mm-hmm. other ones. But this one, um, yeah, I love the nod where they had all three of the Spider-Mans rejoin and the ending just tore my heart apart. And um, I'm also just a sucker for Superman or superhero movies. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> okay. Uh, my number eight is The Professional from 1981, directed by uh, George Lautner. And uh, this is just a great little, like, kind of spy action film where this guy gets sent to a uh, uh, African country to basically assassinate the president, but uh, political winds change while he's there and his, and France basically gives him up and says, Hey, you can take him prisoner. And it's like, okay, so he's fucked and he's in prison for a couple of years. He escapes. And then he comes back to France to basically kill all the people who betrayed him. And then it's basically just him, running around Paris, uh, being chased by the police and special forces, government agents, whatever, however you want to say it. And he's just a badass. And he, and you wouldn't expect it because, uh, the, the actor, he, he does, he looks like everyday guy. He doesn't look like an action star or anything like that. Um, but he, he just smirks and makes fun of the guys coming after him. He outwits everybody, kills a bunch of people, and uh it's just awesome and uh and it's got a nice downer ending too like it's kind of like a uh leaked over to the 80s kind of 1970s downer ending to it that uh, i thought was appropriate so uh just just a really good tight awesome uh sort of action spy espionage thriller kind of thing um also a, a movie where it's probably the most french thing i've ever seen in a movie where he 
he beats a dude up with a bagel in in a in a <laughs> corner cafe, cafe. So uh, there you go. So you're number seven. Uh, I have Star Crash from 1978. Woohoo! So um, this was uh, okay. So this is like a fantasy you would have as a kid, like all the stuff that happened, that kind of stuff you watch as a kid that happened mm-hmm. all in a movie. Like if a kid were to make a movie, like this is kind of how I would see it. Like just so cheesy, so ridiculous. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I love that the lead actor. Um, she was wearing nothing the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> like just always these tiny outfits everywhere she goes. Like, cool. She's in prison. Tiny outfit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like everyone hot- else is wearing full clothes, but let's have her tiny outfit. I love how she also starts the prison break, and then basically everyone that follow her died, and she got out scot free. But <laughs> yeah, just casually walks by. Yeah, it just, it's just such a it's a just a fun movie to watch like it has uh great action in it that's really cheesy it has hilarious uh special effects that mm-hmm. um are hard not to make fun of now yeah uh, but are just great it's just great it's so <laughs> it's like so bad it's good like it's yeah that's that's it like that's it the storyline was um and it incredibly entertaining mm-hmm. and everything about the movie was extremely entertaining. Um, was it like super well done? No, but no. my goodness, was I ever entertained? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That movie never stops. Like it is always, so, it always moves to the next new thing. Kind of. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, my number seven, when evil lurks from 2023 directed by uh, Demian uh, Rugna. This is an Argentinian um, a horror movie that came out this year, this past year. And it's basically about um, possessions, like demonic possessions being like a kind of a, a common occurrence in the world that this is set in, I guess, to the point where there's like government agencies set up to deal with it. But this is all about like a bunch of common, you know, farmers running into a possession incident and having to deal with it themselves because they can't really get a hold of the government to come down and clean things up. And basically just showing that they need the professionals because as much as they think they know, they don't really know. And, and they just keep, keep fucking things up and making things worse for themselves. Uh, it's a real dark movie. It goes some really dark places. Um, it, it's a horror movie with some edge to it. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it, it's just cool to see like a horror movie coming from that part of the world that's like like top tier, like really good shit. Um, so that, that's probably the best horror movie of 2023, honestly. It's the one to, to look out for if, if you're, if you're uh, paying attention to those sort of things. All so, right. yeah. Number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Daughters of Darkness from 1971. Nice. This was, uh, I've, I definitely like more of a psychological horror. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, psychological horror. Yes. Um, we, I did talk about it on the podcast, and mm-hmm. I think you mentioned it as well. Yes. Yeah. So we kind of both <laughs> gave a little input. So um, I kind of just want to say what I enjoyed about it. Uh, the big thing for me was the acting was really well done on all parts. Um, mm-hmm. There wasn't a lot to the movie visually. Uh, so there's not as if there was like 
big sceneries or anything like that to keep attention or anything that could kind of hide if a movie is not done well. Like I find movies that are minimalistic, they have to be done right. Because if they're not done right, they're terrible. Because that movie could have easily gone south. Um, But I think the whole thing was very well done. They got you interested in the storyline. They kept you captivated. The story made sense as it went Mm -hmm. through. And uh, the acting was just phenomenal. Plus, just a lot of like lovely European flesh on display as well. Like, it's a sexy movie. It is a sexy movie, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I kind of it, out. it is. It is. There's beautiful people in the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, uh, my number six, Skip Tracer from 1977, directed by Zale Dalen. This is a Canadian-made film set in British Columbia, and it's basically about the best uh, skip tracer, which is a collection man, basically, for whatever various agency kind of hires him. Um, Goes around, collects debts, and he's the best at it. He's the most uh, unscrupulous kind of guy. He'll he'll fuck with people. He'll hound them and shit until they give up and, and, and give them the money. Or some other collateral, he'll he'll fuck with their personal property to, uh, you know, get the message home. And he takes on a younger skip tracer, and you think it's going to be like a buddy movie where like they learn from one another or whatever. But they actually kind of split up really early in the movie, and the other guy doesn't show up again till much later. It's much more about this guy's kind of descent into like realizing, you know what, I'm a I'm a shithead. I'm just a real dick, and I and I I can't deal with being this piece of shit anymore. Like I, I thought this mattered to me to be like the best skip tracer in in the uh, province or whatever. But I, I'm just like I'm I'm running myself ragged doing this shit, and I need to stop. And he's kind of <laughs> look he's kind of looking for answers on how to like get out of it and, and stop. And uh, by the end of it, it gets really dark because he he kind of he. He fucks with somebody in a way that leaves some lasting consequences for uh, both parties involved, and I won't spoil it. It's it's a fun little independent film. It's kind of a crime film. It's kind of a character study. Um, it moves kind of slow, and uh, it, you know it's definitely not like a big Hollywood production or anything like that. But it's very uniquely Canadian, and uh, I really really uh, loved it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, my number five. So this is actually somehow, I do not know how, this was a first-time watch for me, uh, Lord of War. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, was that movie ever well done? Like, it's just so good. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. I I think um, Nicolas Cage is such a, a lovable asshole in this mm-hmm. movie. Like, truthfully he's a terrible human being but you're rooting for him the whole freaking time um it's just a good movie (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i think i i don't want to go like too much into detail because i know a lot of people have seen this movie but i um so yeah i don't know what else to add on to like what's already been said but uh i just thoroughly enjoyed this i think um the story how they did everything the twist at the end like Mm -hmm. Because at first, even, like, Nicolas Cage did such a good job developing his character. Like, through the start when you first meet him to when he becomes, like, more of a, a, a the Lord of War. Yeah. You see his character change. And at the end, when he gets caught, and you see the panic in his face. But then when he's being interrogated, he's like, yeah, fuck off. You're not going to get me. And mm-hmm. it's 
uh, I just so good. Like just a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's been a lot. Like I don't think I've watched it since it first came out, but I remember enjoying it quite a bit when mm. I did watch and it. So Jared Leto was really good in this too. Yeah, and he's he's very hit or miss for me for the most he most is. times. Yeah. This is I think this is before like the fame really got to his head because I find he's very a lot of newer stuff that I've seen him he's very cocky. Like he's mm-hmm. very much but Jared Leto. Uh like 30 seconds to Mars got to his head. <laughs> oh, I mean the guy's the guy's legit running a cult right now. Like he's he's got his own private island and he's got like big oh, people nice. following him and well. Yeah, you know. We'll see yeah. how that turns out. But in uh, this movie, he did a really good job. Mm-hmm. And I, his character development as well, because you see the ups and downs of like, oh, this is so cool. Oh, this is shitty. Oh, this is so cool. Oh, wait, this is terrible. And then like his end where he just breaks and mm-hmm. basically sacrifices himself. And right. what was really cool about that was that they showed how this was such a big moment, a big part. Um, like his action was so huge. And after it happens, it's like nothing. It was just like, cool, you owe me this much money. Get the fuck out of here. And it made no impact, not even a dent. Like, mm-hmm. just showed what he tried to do, like, what he thought was good. And his sacrifice meant, like, fuck all. Yeah. Like, yeah. even his brother was just, okay, I got to put the, the cold face on. I just got to move past this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. My number five is Dark of the Sun from 1968. This is directed by Jack Cardiff. And uh, this is just a really good Men on a Mission uh, film. Um, it was one of the few that I haven't seen from this era. It it focuses on the... Um, oh, she kicked out of there. Back in. <laughs> that was... I fucked up. <laughs> okay. Um, and it... Uh, it, it, it again involves Africa. It's mercenaries being sent in Africa to do some imperialist shit. So, like, our heroes aren't really heroes. They're pretty much scum fucks as well. So, uh, you kind of enjoy watching these bad people kind of double cross each other and do shitty things. It's a real, it's a real hardcore film for 1968. It, it, it feels like a Sam Peckinpah film. But this actually predates uh, the Wild Bunch just by like I, I guess like a couple months or something like that. So, but it, it feels very Sam Peckinpah in its execution. I think the only thing that holds it holds it back is on a technical level. There's some scenes where it's like, oh, we're using green screens and shit like that, and then there's other scenes where it's clearly stunt work and action scenes that are like really well done. And there's kind of like a disconnect there, but. Still a really great Men on a Mission film, a real uh, tough one, um, and uh, I liked it. Hmm. 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 All right. Uh, <laughs> it's just for whatever reason, reminded me of the... I don't know why. I don't know why. So you're number four. <laughs> My number four. Uh, Focus from 2015. Um, all right, so I truly think this is because I have a massive crush on Margot Robbie. Okay. Um, she's stunning. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. She's so cool. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this movie, uh, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I know this is not like popular opinion, but um, it's definitely one of um, like my top watches of this year. Because uh, one, it's 
totally perfect for keeping my focus because so much is always going on, which I love. And uh, I just thought everything was just really cute because it was. Uh, do you have you seen it? I have not seen it. Okay, so it's. Um, uh, blah, 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 words. Mm. I'm trying to think of like a specific word. Um, so they're like con people trying to to do okay. stuff, and then um, so Will Smith is in it as well. So okay. Margot Robbie and Will Smith fall in love. Will Smith is like, oh no, this is terrible. I need to leave because this can't happen. So he like just drops her, and then they end up meeting again. And he's doing this whole crazy heist while she's doing something on her own. And then at the end, they just come together again. And it's just, it's okay. So the ending's really cheesy, but I love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just think this movie's ridiculous. I love it so much. Okay. It's just, it's, I, I, I'm not even explaining it. I'm so sorry. I know I'm doing a terrible job at explaining. <laughs> it's getting right. the night. <laughs> My poor focus is not there. How ironic! Uh, yeah, I've got I've got so much in my brain because I'm going back to school tomorrow mm -hmm. <laughs> that I'm trying to like think of words to say and it's not happening. It's all um, right. Anyways, they do a lot of a lot of like pickpocketing and they show you those sequences. So all of that, uh, really well done. I think the um, the editing and the uh, the angles that they choose, the camera work that they choose, the music, the scenery, all of that stuff, uh, just really combined well to make a movie that I thoroughly enjoy i find it quite entertaining and i have no problem like watching it over and over again cool cool the end all right i got it i got it yeah you <laughs> did it you've done it you've done it um my number four is infinity pool from 2023 this is directed by brandon cronenberg i'm sure this one will make like people's horror movie list i don't know if it's necessarily 100 percent a horror movie but you know you can kind of fit it in there but it's just it's just a head trip um, about this young affluent couple. One's a kind of failed writer, and the other one's a rich chick, and basically he's living off her money. And uh, they go into this uh, fictional European country uh, that's basically just a tourist country more than anything else. Like is the the tourist areas are segmented away from the rest of the rural countryside, which is in incredibly poor and destitute um so they're there and you know they're affluent upper class kind of rich fucks um and they kind of suck and they run into some other uh, rich fucks and they go outside the boundaries of the uh, tourist areas and uh they end up committing a crime by mistake and try to cover it up and it doesn't go so well for them. Cause if you commit a crime in this country, what they do is uh, the sentence is death. But if you're rich enough, you can buy a clone of yourself and they put that clone to death. And, yeah. and we soon discover that some of these other tourists who come here do this every year. They come there, they commit crimes, pay off the bill so that their clones get killed, and then they just continue to sin and do debauchery to their leisure. And anytime they get caught, eh, make a clone. And they huh. and and there's some question of like, who's the clone? Like, did they did they kill the real person, or did they kill the clones? And 
what what is what are the what are the you know consequences of of this and basically our main character is descent into kind of like debauchery and madness and because he's kind of a blank slate when he starts he's kind of like a non-character almost he's kind of david duchovny from connie and carla very very bland dude um but he becomes this fucking degenerate along with them and um it's fucking crazy pants like it, it just goes in some weird areas some really disturbing imagery uh brandon cronenberg's chip off the old block from his uh, dad D david cronenberg when it comes to stuff like that and it's one of the most interesting movies of this past year and what well we're seeing sounds very interesting yeah uh, I am intrigued. All right. Number uh, three, top three. Yeah, number three. Top three. All right. So um, I just realized my last three movies are in like the last two years of movies. All right. Yeah. The last two years. Mm -hmm. So super exciting. Uh, I have The Menu from 2022. Oh, there you go. Uh, you've already kind of touched base on it. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to follow up with um, a really, yeah, it does a really good job at keeping. Uh, the story going because mm -hmm. when you think of the actual story itself like just going on the island eating food and things happen because that's basically like a summary of it right mm -hmm. oh like bare bones but that's kind of what you're thinking of imagine trying to take that as your idea and make it really entertaining like yeah it's incredibly done like it's just such a cool movie it's kind of uh it's a very original idea. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't go where you expect it to go, right? Because like immediately, it's like the menu, new horror movie. Oh, I know what this is going to be. It's like they're killing people and eating them. It's like no, not yeah. at all. It's it's very different than that. Yeah, and how it develops the story, and how you kind of get introduced to, to the characters, like the different characters, mm -hmm. and just it's great. It's great, and I really <laughs> loved. Um, uh, Anya Taylor, I think that's her name. Yeah, Anya Taylor Joy. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed her. I just, uh, she's great. She just played this part so well. I, um, she's, she's one I'd like, I'd put up there if like Samara Weaving is like a, a horror actress in modern day. Like they don't really, people don't really say people are scream queens anymore. Like they, it seems like it's a very passe term these days. Maybe there's like some sort of like, you know, feminist revisionist kind of idea on that. Maybe that's kind of like leaked into the culture. I have no idea, but like, they don't really market like actresses as scream Queens anymore, but I'd, I'd say Samara Weaven and, and Anya Taylor joy are both scream Queens. So, and there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. They can also do other stuff and they do other stuff, but they're really good. In yeah. Horror movies. yeah. She was great in Queens Gambit. I freaking love that mm. show, but yeah. Uh, yeah, just a great movie. I, we definitely should, find the time to do this one because mm -hmm. uh, I would love to go in more into depth about it. Like there is so much about it that I absolutely love. Oh, I should just, we should hit up our uh, friend, uh, uh, Robbie Robertson uh, again for that. Um, I, I know he's talked about it on other podcasts, but I think he kind of likes the movie so much. He would talk about it w willingly again, maybe make that happen. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Definitely should mm -hmm. do that future podcast yeah because i mean he 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 basically trained to be like uh, a top chef for quite a while before kind of like moving away from that um 
but he was like, yeah, this is so true to life that uh, <laughs> you don't even know. Uh, okay. Uh, my number three is going to be Mystics in Bali from 1981, directed by H. Tijat Dajali. Probably totally butchered that. It's an Indonesian name, so, you know, uh, take that for what it's worth. But this is kind of one of the first big Indonesian horror movies, the one that kind of, like, made their industry a, a thing. Um, it's got all this traditional Indonesian, uh, excuse me, folktale stuff. Um, and, like, just bizarre monsters. Like, they go for kind of authenticity. So the kind of, like, drawings and stuff you'd see of these monsters... They kind of do their best to reproduce them, actually, in the in the uh, actual movie, and um, it's great. It's 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 batshit. It, it's it's a cheap movie. It it doesn't necessarily work in the same way that like you'd expect a Western Hollywood movie to work, um, but it it does have that message of white people walk into another country and fuck things up for the worst. Like this white girl who's like a anthropologist or whatever. Comes in lo looking for, you know, like uh, Indonesian magic and shit like that, and like trying to study and research that shit, and just walks into the wrong fucking things and encounters a witch and gets cursed and becomes a monster herself. And there's all kinds of invented, like crazy pants stuff in it. And crazy pants. Uh, it is crazy <laughs> pants. And I, I just I just love horror from this region of the world because it's so different than what we're used to. And uh, it's even really different from like Japanese horror and stuff like that, so, you know, which is, you know, not too far away geographically. Um, so it, it's cool to see uh, the Indonesians uh, take on horror, you know, and uh, Indonesia is a very Muslim country. So they have definitely have a lot of different traditions and ideas and uh, women are not necessarily treated as well <laughs> in Muslim <laughs> cultures. Uh, generally. So, uh, yeah. So usually a lot of their monsters are women and a lot of their, you know, demons and monsters are women. And they're usually like ghosts and spirits of women who have been abused or who have sinned quote unquote. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack Although I, I'd say Mystics in Bali really doesn't have that aspect to it. Like, there's a lot of better Indonesian horror movies that are super serious that actually do kind of have stuff to unpack as far as, like, um, a women's place in society and whatnot over there. But um, this this Mystics in Bali is just fun. It's crazy-ass fun. And uh, well worth seeing. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so my number two? Yep. Uh... Another one that you heard already said, uh, A Wounded Fawn. Yeah, there we um, go. I think this is an also an interesting one that would be to do with a podcast. Yeah. So I won't go into too much detail. You described it pretty well. Um, I'm trying to think if I should add anything on or if there's anything to add on. Um, the the credit scene. Um, I'm not going to give details on it. I just want to say the credit scene. I messaged you. I remember saying the credit scene. I'm like, it's so mm -hmm. fucked up. So yes, that uh, it, that ending alone, like I just enjoy how they played. Like you said, they played with so many different. Like you're questioning what kind of movie this is because mm -hmm. you're not really sure at any point, like what exactly it falls under until you get to the end, and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense now. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's just uh I love it. That's it. Because you what you said was perfect. I cannot put in better words. Okay, cool. Um score one for masculinity. Um go fuck yourself. You're <laughs> my top one then. <laughs> All right. Uh my number two is Godzilla minus one from 2023 directed by Takashi Yamazaki. And this is, I'm just going to say it. It's the best Godzilla movie. It's better than the original. And, uh, this is kind of a remake of the original Godzilla from the fifties, but it's like an update on that kind of. And although I think technically the Godzilla minus one is like a, a hint towards like, oh, this is a year before the original Godzilla. Like this is, you know, almost a prequel to the original Godzilla in a way. Um, but it's so good. Uh, it's, it's the one Godzilla film I can, and I haven't seen them all, of course, but it's the one Godzilla film that I can definitely say marries the human story with the monster stuff perfectly. Godzilla is always a metaphor for some sort of disaster, in this case, it goes back to uh, nuclear power and the threat of uh, nuclear annihilation because this takes up right after Japan is coming out of like recovering from uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, the American occupation is over and they've left. And now uh, Japan is there. They're sitting around having to fend for themselves and rebuild their country. And Godzilla shows the fuck up and starts wrecking their wrecking their shit. And the Godzilla in this kind of takes its cues from uh, a few years ago. There was a movie Shin Godzilla, which like had a really horrific version of Godzilla that was, was like super scary, probably the scariest version of Godzilla that ever was put on screen. And this one kind of takes its cues from it. It makes Godzilla just this really frightening fucking monster. Um, and it's basically about the you know the our Japanese heroes like trying to find a way to like get through like the bureaucracy of their government and the social changes and find a way to like uh, fight Godzilla basically because Godzilla's walking into Japan fucking things up walking back out coming back and it's like he's gonna be back again and he's gonna. Who knows what he's going to do? He'll he's going to keep coming back until he just totally destroys fucking Japan. So we have to stop him. Who and knows? so, yeah. <laughs> and it it looks and this movie was made for like I don't know like fifteen million dollars or something like that. They said like equivalent. And the CGI is fucking fantastic. The action's fantastic. The movie looks like a fucking high priced Hollywood fucking like production it, it's so good so fucking good um and uh, yeah very highly recommended uh it's funny because you just reminded me and i totally forgot to um this is the f so i just watched jurassic park for the first time like the original okay yeah uh this 2023 year this mm -hmm. past year um it unfortunately, I didn't think of it, and it didn't make it any of my list. I'm not saying it was a bad movie. It's just nothing that was like exceptionally over the top or anything that was mm -hmm. terrible. It was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but you're just talking about like um, the the special effects, like just the the things that they do. And considering how old the movie is, I still think it like looks really good. Like, yeah, yeah, 
because yeah so like you know jurassic park it is a mixture of cgi and still practical effects yeah they and just did, they just did a good job with how they had the dinosaurs mm-hmm. uh in ways that didn't show that they were fake because there was sometimes obviously like it's not always going to be perfect it's, the one scene is the the herd of dinosaurs that run they, like they they're trying to like escape that herd of dinosaurs is like okay yeah. there's some holes in that shit yeah oh yeah but, there's uh there's definitely things here and there like it has its problems for sure mm-hmm. but overall uh it was Really, like even now when I watch it, um, as a first time watch too, uh, visually it was great. Oh yeah, it holds up. Definitely mm-hmm. holds up that way. Yep. Definitely surprising because I was really worried that I'd waited so long that I'd think it was really bad, like really cheesy. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it was not. All uh, right. Um, number, my one. number one. I think this one is probably really obvious. Um, yeah, this is super obvious. Anyways, my number one is uh entirely for bias reasons and also because like as you know i'm a feminist it is the barbie movie um it it was literally made for uh like my generation and Mm -hmm. older generations as well but it was not i wouldn't say it's like geared towards kids like kids will enjoy it but Mm -hmm. not as much as adults that was definitely made for adults that was made for uh, anybody who had all the barbies as a kid um it was, it was such an eye opener, like just with the explanation and how everything was. It's like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> I definitely felt that way. Oh shit, that's mm-hmm. true. Um, like, there's this uh, uh, speech, and so many people get tired of people saying like, oh, have you heard the speech on Barbie? Have you heard the speech on Barbie? And they're like, oh, don't tell me, I don't want to hear this again. I'm like, okay, fuck mm-hmm. off. It's a great speech because it's like the truth it just explains everything that so many female have thought all at once and we're like bitch said it perfectly (laughs) (laughs) just (laughs) it was just great uh it just talks about like the expectations how they're so like flippy floppy like you have to be um you have to watch what you're dressed but you can't dress too much but you can't dress too under but you can't look too hot but you can't look too like plain but you can't do this but you can't Mm -hmm. it's like yeah, that's that's basically how you felt like all our life. So, um, uh, just such a great movie. Like, uh, yeah, it was just visually perfect. Because when they made Barbie Land, it mm. was so pink, <laughs> and they <laughs> the director even said she didn't want to use any black or any other color. She just wanted pink, so that was the main focus. And you really see it, and then you go into the real world, and they're wearing these like neon clothes, like Ken and Barbie, mm-hmm. and the real world that's very drab compared to that. So they're very sticky outy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ken, he's like, I want to apply, uh, I want to apply to be the beach. Like, <laughs> in like, no, the beach. <laughs> <laughs> they made Ken really, really, really dumb. And it was kind of cute. And then they showed like, Ken becoming this alpha mm-hmm. that started a war in Barbie land. And I don't even know, like it, uh, it doesn't make fun of men in the movie. Like it teases on the idea, but it doesn't make fun of, and it's same with women. Like there's tropes about women in there that are funny as well. Like it just makes fun of reality, like how things are treated, like the men, like how Ken finds all these influencers uh, around the real world. Oh, oh who are saying that men are like 
well, not influencers like we see, but like just the newspaper and the books and stuff and saying how men are in power, men are in charge, and that he brings that attitude towards Barbie land. And then how the women in Barbie land had to like work together to defeat the men, but they didn't defeat the men. They just showed them how like they work as individuals and how like they work together. And like, anyways, it's great. It's a very heartwarming movie. Um, hmm. Ben Shapiro hated it, so you bet your ass I went and watched it the next day. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it also broke a ton of records. Um, and it was a female director. And again, Margot Robbie's in it. She's, she was perfect for Barbie. Even other, uh, there's other actors that were mentioned, and they did interviews with them saying, like, oh, hey, we heard you were asked to be Barbie, like, whatever. Like, no, Margot Robbie was like, perfect. Perfect. The only thing I'm annoyed at. They could have just given her her fucking accent. Yeah. Like, I get to say that Barbie's the all-American girl, but it's also a fictional world. So who gives a fuck? It's mm-hmm. something we absolutely could have looked over. I would have appreciated it because it's one of those pet peeves I've mentioned all the time. If you don't need to change the accent, don't change the accent. I think I think that probably comes from the fact that even though it, it is, like, from what I hear, it, it does, like, take some jabs at Mattel. It, it's still a Mattel approved, like oversaw kind of movie. It's still kind of like connected to the Mattel brand or whatever. Right. So. Oh, the, it's a part at the end. I, I, I'm assuming, I don't know if you're going to watch it. I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. Okay. Then I don't, I don't want to give it, I didn't want to give that away. Okay. Cause I thought it was just a really, really funny part at the end, which just, yeah, I, I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. Okay. Um, my number one. Your number one. Uh, yeah, this is Night Beast from 1982, directed by Don Dollar. And I'm putting this on my number one purely because it was the most fun I had watching a movie this past year. Um, was that the one that we watched? It's the one with the... Or are we doing it as a podcast? It sounds really familiar. We haven't done it as a podcast yet, but... Um, okay. It's the one with the alien comes down and starts shooting hillbillies, and it, it's the movie. It's the movie where we have the joke that it has the neatest wienering ever put to screen, where just like the whitest sex scene you've ever seen. Um, and the, I think the, I came in part way. I didn't see the whole thing. Okay, and you know our main character, who is our hero sheriff, uh, has like this fucking poodle hairdo, and um, it's just it's. On its face, it's a bad movie, but it, it it moves really quick. It's fun. It's got some fun characters in it. There's this like side secretary slash girlfriend of the mayor character who like runs away of every scene she's in. She's like the one person in it that feels like a real actress, like doing something. Um, the monster looks good enough. The special effects are good enough, uh, and it's just a lot of hillbillies versus alien stuff but it's so just i just loved watching it i just like every time i watch it i've watched a couple times since we we watched it on a movie night and i just it's it's a it's one of those like chill movies for me where i'm just like i love everything in this it's so good it's so well (laughs) done and um you know it's kind of so bad it's good but i don't really necessarily view it that way i just i just like legit enjoy it for what it is um, and you know, and, and it's a kind of a labor of love. It's, it's kind of, you know, little rural sci-fi horror movie made for like two bucks or whatever, you know, 
Actually, actually, this is kind of like the bigger budget version because, um, what, what's the name of the other one? A Alien Factor. There, there's another movie called Alien Factor that came out from Don Dollar a couple years earlier, which is exactly the same movie, pretty much, but just at a cheaper budget, and it has some of the same actors and everything. So basically, this is a remake of Alien Factor, but I love it. I love Night Beast. Night Beast is my fucking jam. And uh, that's my number one for this year. Ooh, well, there you go. There yeah. are our tops for 2023. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back and uh, to talk about our worst movies. So I'll, I'll just uh, I'll play some music for anyone who might actually be watching. This is there's four people watching. So um, <laughs> uh, do I have music on here? I don't have music on here. Start walking away. I'm just gonna I'm gonna play a podcast promo is what I'm gonna do. Perfect. You ungodly warlock. Broadcasting from the cursed earth, the psychosemanticast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac. Uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. Neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? If that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and you never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. You ungodly warlock. Grummy, 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 grummy
All right, we're back. Uh, so yeah, now we can get into our worst movies. So these these are the movies that kind of elicit this reaction from people. Might go up to the director and just start saying stuff like this. What? You son of a bitch. Yeah, you, know, you might want to kill him. Uh, that might, these are movies, basically, um, what I'm saying is these are movies that made us want to kill people this year. Especially the people involved in the movies. Actually, that might not be true at all. Um, but we didn't like these movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we can get into that. Um, we both got 10. So We both have 10. So we can uh, we can take turns on that as well. So uh, I'll let you say your uh, number 10 first there. Uh, All right. So um, I already ripped this movie apart, like left, right, and center. So I'm going to go by mm-hmm. really quickly. Uh, Die Hard. Yes. Um, yeah. It was nothing that impressed me. There was, yeah, there was nothing about it that impressed me. There was nothing about it that was like over the top or amazing or memorable. Um, the thing is, I did... Well, the end part where the guy falls off the building, I do know that because that's like the big joke. So that mm. part was given away. But I know someone made a comment about saying like, maybe it's just I've seen it, like all these kind of movies before. So for people to see it for the first time, it might be more captivating than someone who sees it now after seeing all these other movies. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Like, that's why I don't understand how it's like that iconic of a movie because it didn't kind of set the bar. It just created a an idea because mm-hmm. even movies from like back in the day you're like i can see where this came from i can see why people took ideas from us i can see this this one i just didn't feel that mm-hmm. die hard and just I, wasn't your jam no and then if you really want to hear me rip into it <laughs> you can check the podcast <laughs> yeah I, I truly tell you how i feel <laughs> yeah um okay uh my number 10 this is one we did a, a little while back this year. The Blind Goddess from 1948 by Harold French. This is a stuffy British courtroom drama that starts out promising. It's it's like, oh, this might be a, a fun noir kind of thing, but it quickly gets into the courtroom and never leaves. And <laughs> I don't know. Just didn't do it for me. Uh, I was just like, I'm, I'm, I was watching it and I was like, <laughs> I was like, this ain't it. This ain't it. It's just like, I, I I get what's going on. I get the drama. I get all that shit. But this needed a couple more shootings and some sort of stuff going on outside the courtroom. And it didn't have it. It just, it started off. Like you said, it started off so promising. It just had a really good intro. And that's, that's all that was good. <laughs> yeah. It, I was just waiting. For, I, I watched the entire movie waiting for something to match the intro of the film, and it never happened. It was like the whole big climax is, oh, the court case. Okay. Now, sometimes courtroom movies work if you have like a lot of like intense acting and good drama and stuff, but this doesn't have that either. It's kind of like very low-key, stuffy British stuff that, you know, like no big super loud speeches or anything like that. It's just like, mm-hmm. hey, here's how this would turn out in court. Oh, I'm surprised. That's... I'm surprised how well it did on IMBD, like when I was looking. I know it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I know that's nothing. But I'm just mm-hmm. surprised how many people enjoyed it. Because yeah. 
it's so drab. <laughs> it is. Uh, so move on to your number nine. There it is. Okay, perfect. Um, so my next one is the kickboxer retaliation. Oh, I've seen this. That sucks. Which I didn't realize there was a prequel to it. Like there was. So there was the kickboxer, then there was the kickboxer, like like another movie, and then this Mm -hmm. was the last one. Um, Obviously, we all know the kickboxer. Like, that is such a great movie. It's so bad uh, acting wise, but so great at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, There are definitely the obvious issues, but (laughs) (laughs) they're uh, just a stupid, fun. I didn't think it took itself that seriously, but still did. Like, there was that serious note, but not as serious. Mm -hmm. But this movie. Didn't see the previous one. Don't even know. So I guess I missed out on a lot of points where I don't understand like what's going on. But I watched this one and it's bad. Mm. It's so bad. Like the story makes no sense. Again, I didn't see the previous one, so it might link to the, uh, some of the stories. But even then, usually when you watch like a second movie, even if you don't understand, the second movie usually is like a story or like another continuation of the story. So you might miss some things, but you can still appreciate the movie as a standalone. This mm-hmm. is like, I don't even know what the fuck was happening. Um, the only reason why it's not higher on my list was because the martial arts in this movie were fucking insane. Like the choreography for those fight scenes blew my mind. That's the only reason I stayed watching that movie. Um, it's the only reason that if ever was on the background or someone was like, Hey, out of these 10 movies, which one do we watch again? Probably that one just for the fights. The fights mm-hmm. were just out of this world. Like that was amazing that's it that is the only redeeming quality everything else is stupid and garbage nice nice um okay my number nine is mr sardonicus from 1961 directed by william castle this is a movie that had some promise to it it had some nice atmosphere at the beginning it had this like oh william castle's doing dracula kind of vibes to it and it kind of is what it is but it just gets so boring. Like it promises it's going to be like kind of extreme for 1961. And, but every time it gets close to being interesting, it pulls back. Uh, the special effects are both impressive, but also shitty because the explanation behind why Mr. The titular Mr. Sardonicus's face has this like rictus grin is beyond stupid. And they, they make you try to buy the reason for it. And I just wasn't fucking buying uh, what they were selling. And it, it just gets really boring. And it, it's again, it, it kind of is reminds me of the blind goddess in a way where it's like the opening. Okay, we got some atmosphere here. This is cool. And then it's just, it goes nowhere. It, it just it kind of goes nowhere. And I, I was really disappointed in it. Sorry, <laughs> I just, I, I, perfect <laughs> i yeah. thought of something else like um anyways i'll explain later i'll explain later my giggling is is preemptive um okay so uh my number eight uh yes. for the bottom uh mortal Kombat from 2021 um, okay uh, again uh the choreography in these movies are always great and the visuals are always absolutely stunning and amazing um the first mortal Kombat movie that they made was like perfection it was Mm -hmm. didn't take itself seriously it was cheesy it had a little bit of serious to it but nothing like over the top it um 
related to the video game quite well, considering that the video game itself was just like two people I fighting mean, each other. Yeah, it has no but story. Yeah, so they, Yeah, they didn't have a real story. Like if you read a little bit into it for Mortal Kombat, like it still kept true, which is great. But when people say this one's more true, like the newest one's more true, I'm like, I really don't care. All it is is like a blood and guts type video game. Like it's known for its ridiculous over the top blood and gore. Mm-hmm. Um, while the first one didn't have exactly the blood and gore, it had the ridiculous like uh, finish him and like the death scenes and all that stuff. So the first one was just very well done. Uh, it was a like very good uh, adaptation of like a video game that had very little story back then, especially. Mm-hmm into a movie because they had yeah this one i found took themselves way too seriously especially since like mortal kombat like i don't think people should take mortal kombat seriously like you have something wrong with you if you take mortal kombat seriously because like the idea of it is like destruction in the most visually graphic way like it's bayvality friendality like the 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 Mortal Kombat I played on my Game Boy as a child mm. with the death scenes are nothing compared to like the ripping the spine out or the heart out or whatever the case may be with blood and guts everywhere. Like that mm. is like Mortal Kombat just fucking pressed the gas when it came to the brutality. I mean, when you punch someone, a, like a liter of blood flies out of them. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the video game. This one yeah. was not that <laughs> this was mm-hmm. not about kind of i don't know it just it just felt like it was trying too hard to make a serious story out of mm-hmm. a video game that i've never really taken seriously i just took it as like you yell at your friend and scream at the tv and then once you get it finish him like at the end when you try to get the end moves right button press i was i was always yelling at my brother to stop doing the fucking jump kick because that's all he'd do or the uppercut yeah, he was he was that kind of kid, right? The younger brother that like fucking, I'm just gonna do one move and beat you every time with that one move. Stop it! I did that. Oh, I was like the button masher. The, oh my god, I got you! And I used to be amazing at it. I was an amazing button masher. Um, but yeah, it just 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 something about it. Like there was nothing about it that I found really interesting. I found the everything was very mediocre. I thought the guy who played Kano was he was the 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 saving grace of the movie he was okay. actually quite entertaining um he was the only one i thought was actually really good everybody else i thought their acting was meh like it wasn't it wasn't bad it wasn't great it was just mediocre throughout there was nothing about it that blew my mind other than the visuals like okay. the stuff that they they heavily relied on the visuals to make the movie because the rest was bleh, very blah okay uh, my number eight is The Astrologer from 1975, directed by James Glickenhaus. And uh, this is a terrible little, like, there's some interesting ideas. Like, there's this whole, like, secret agency fighting, like, occult menaces and stuff. And, like, this weird prophet who's going to, like, bring the Antichrist to Earth and all this shit. There's kind of a thing there going on. The, most of the movie doesn't focus on that. It's like a lot of people talking in offices and shit and just like a lot of like, hey, we have an idea for, for a movie, but we have no money to make it. So we're going to like film people in offices talking 
for like most of our runtime. And every once in a while, maybe one or two cool things happen where we can maybe we have the budget to afford a special effect. But for the most part, it's just like this disjointed, absolute disappointment of a film that should be way better than it is. And it just kind of sucks. There's another film from 76 called The Astrologer that you should not mistake this one from. That one is also (laughs) like a, that one's a vanity project. And it's also an ineptly made film in a lot of ways. But that one is incredibly enjoyable, and it was one of my best films of the year for, I can't remember what year. I, it was a couple of years back. But um, And that one is really enjoyable. I found that one, like, that's one of my favorite movies because it's such a, again, that whole, uh, a guy who thinks so highly of himself but is, like, clearly has no charisma and no personality and <laughs> has tried his best to be the coolest dude ever on screen and totally failing. Um, and but, but this astrologer <laughs> down the shitter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the way you, uh, I always love your choice of words. Like the way you describe movies is just awesome. <laughs> just <laughs> the plethora of uh, your language. I mean, your language, your uh, vocabulary <laughs> is always impressive. So um, when you need something to give like that extra oomph when you're explaining it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, you know when 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 I talk about movies, I take them to a that's a whole novel <laughs> level. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, so someone just sent me a comment uh, yeah. about their favorite movie of this year. So I don't know if you want to save it to the end, and we can finish. So this. You can say it now. It's fine. Okay, awesome. Well, uh, my friend Justin, um, so guy that I went to high school with, actually, okay, saw my post and he messaged me. And he said for uh, one of his best movies, uh, I'm just going to read it. So my mm-hmm. answer is the Barbie movie. Okay. Uh, there were there were so many funny jokes and great great scenes and great pacing. But the part that made the experience the best part of 2023 in terms of movies was the speech. Sorry, I just hit it. The speech uh, American America Ferrari Ferrara. Sorry, America Ferrara gave gives about the balls women have to juggle at once. And it made me think of all the times I just sat there legitimately thinking about nothing. The times I've walked around just minding my business, not a fear in the world. I asked my wife, who is watching the Barbie movie with, if that speech was real. And she said she had never heard a more accurate speech. That's the speech I was talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, I asked her to go back and play it again, and I very nearly cried. At the end of the night, I thanked her for everything she does and apologized for everything that I don't do. I feel like it put us on the exact same page in that moment. I saw her for everything that she puts forward, and she realized that it wasn't that I didn't appreciate that she did all the time, but I genuinely genuinely didn't know. I've been a feminist for quite some time now, but it's like it pulled me even deeper. Nice. Yeah, that's actually really sweet. Um, so <laughs> any actor, any uh, celebrity, anybody who said, posted about the Barbie movie, mm-hmm. that was, uh, that like, um, identified as male and said that the mm-hmm. Barbie movie was like amazing or awesome or like gave it huge props. I'm like, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Because... <laughs> That was a big fear that I had was like 
a lot of guys would be like, no, but no, tons of fucking men loved it. And thank you because we need men like you in the world. Anyways, back to my list. So you're number seven, I believe you're on. Yes. Number seven, you already talked about it. Um, but I'm going to talk about it more because I would like to vent about it more. Um, the Blind Goddess, 1948. Okay. It is like uh, the starting is like you start off um, and you have this like experience. Like you're like, fuck yeah, I'm going to have an orgasm tonight. And then mm-hmm. you realize like that orgasm's never coming. <laughs> 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 That's why I was laughing at myself. Because <laughs> you mentioned the, the second movie, that's the same thing. But that's what it is. You have this like experience where you're like, oh man, like this is it. Like this is really good foreplay. Like I like where this is going. And then you get into the movie and you're like, oh no, all you're gonna do is like bash my clitoris and like hope that I come. Um, <laughs> and then it ends. <laughs> you're like, okay, I'm gonna go home now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, seriously that that's that's kind of the best way to explain it like you just you you get so hyped up so excited because you're like the scenery is really cool the ideas uh like the description sounds interesting the idea of it like the name everything it's captivating mm-hmm. and then you get into the court scene and it just never ends <laughs> yeah just just it's just some sad humping at that point it's just like <laughs> Yeah, barely penetrating. <laughs> no, no, no matter what position you do, you just can't get there. It's just, uh, it's just the blind <laughs> goddess is the missionary blue balls of courtroom dramas. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, uh, I, I, I had a hard time where I want to position this one because I think. I think there's others out there that are worse movies. It's just this mm-hmm. one was so boring and it teased you so bad at the intro. Like it just, it really wanted to like tantalize you and it didn't. Mm-hmm. It just took it all away and threw it in the trash. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, my number seven is Raptor from 2001 directed by Jim Wynorski. And this is basically Jim Wynorski taking footage from a earlier Roger Corman production called Carnosaur, which is kind of fun, like kind of dumb fun. It, it, Carnosaur was kind of a came around. I think it managed to come out before Jurassic Park, if I'm not mistaken. But it was, you know, it was kind of like, oh, Jurassic Park's coming. We got to make a movie real quick to capitalize on this shit, kind of thing. And and it's kind of fun. The sequels all kind of blow. But uh, Raptor is, let's use footage from that. Let's film some new actors and put a bullshit story over top of it. So there's like, you know, a few minutes of new scenes. There is, somehow this movie is terrible despite having like this seven minute softcore sex scene in the middle of it. On on the top of, a, like on the back of a truck. Um, the reason is, is because... It's basically, it's playing that sex scene in a loop. Like you don't realize it at first, but then as you watch it, it's like I've uh, no, I've seen him grab his her titties like that before, in a minute ago. Yeah, no, th- okay. So this is seven. They filled out seven minutes of, of of time. They padded seven minutes of time by playing a sex scene in a loop, and that's like the most innovative thing going on in this film. 
Um, it's just like, and Jim Wojnarowski has a history of kind of doing this kind of stuff. He's made some really good B movies, but then he's made some like really shitty ones where it's just like, I'm just going to use a bunch of footage we have laying around and try to make a movie out of it. And it's fucking terrible. It's like absolutely <laughs> fucking terrible. It's, it's just a waste of anybody's time. I mean, just if, if you want to see the titties, the clips are out there on the internet. You can just watch that one seven minute scene and jack off if you want to. But <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's sad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so my number six. Right? Yes. Yeah, my number six is a uh, National Lampoon Senior Trip. Okay. Yeah. Had. Yeah. I just really didn't like that movie. Um, <laughs> I feel like I got in trouble for saying that last time, but um, I I just couldn't get past. Like, it's really hard for me to watch these movies and be like, whatever. It was a humor back then. I'm like, it doesn't mean I have to find it funny. Yeah. Like. There's a lot of sexist humor in there. There's a lot of misogyny in there. Like, it's just, I don't need it. I don't want it. I don't have to go back and be like, oh, well, you have to appreciate it for one time. I don't have to. I do not have to. <laughs> like, it, it was crap then. It's crap now. Like, it's it's just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it was, it was just a real drag, that movie, kind of. Like, there was, some, there was some okay moments in it, but even Daniel and I, who were, like, had seen it back in the day, and were kind of like, eh, it's okay. Even we were watching it, again, for the, for the podcast, and like, you know what? No, <laughs> this is this is really dated, and it doesn't work anymore. And that was that. That's the thing for me for movies because you can tell me like, oh no, it's the humor back then. It was whatever back then. There's still movies that have pushed the line, that have made the comments, that have done things that are still good movies. Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. Yeah, that's a really good example. Like, try to have a movie like that now would be impossible, but it's still mm -hmm. a great movie. Um, even when I was talking about Freebie and the Bean, there's a lot of issues, like we were talking about it on the podcast, how uh, there was a lot of things now we definitely couldn't have. Mm -hmm. But it's a movie that it's still... Um, still like funny. It's, yeah, it still watched as well. Like, it still yeah, yeah. doesn't... I don't feel cringe when you're trying to say this. Like, it's, it's not going for the obvious humor. Because that's the thing. Like, that was a very obvious humor. That was like, let's put down this. Let's put down them. Let's, like, mm. that kind of humor. Like, that... The big thing for me too was like the whole alpha thing, which I fucking hate. Like, I don't need <laughs> that in life. Yeah. Um, so my number six is "We Are No Angels" from 1975, directed by Gianfranco Perolini. This is one of the Terrence Hill, Bud Spencer ripoff films. <laughs> and it was out of the two that I watched this year for our friend Vaughn's uh, Motion Picture Massacre podcast. This was the bad one. This was this one sucked. It had like little to no story. It had no focus. Uh, the version I watched was also shit. It had no um, subtitles, and it was in uh, Italian, so it was a chore to watch in the first place. And uh, I just got tired of it. But I mean, I could tell it wasn't a good movie. And um, I'd rather just watch your cat's butt in my camera than watch that movie again. <laughs> Kind of where yeah, I put it. I'm trying to. I'd rather just watch Sid to shove her arse into my into my camera rather than watch that movie again because it sucked. Yeah, she's laying on my keyboard now. I just feel bad. She has a she got something in her eye, so her eyes been bugging her. Oh. And I don't want to like I don't know. I should show her off. No, it's okay. Right. It's okay. It's okay. You can. 
I can't even see me. So, um, she's just laying right in the front. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can't. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. just like down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. More the more the more cat ass the better in our podcast, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Perfect. Um, damn it! No, I needed the computer for this one. Yeah. Anyways, uh, okay, yes. So, um, uh, my number five. Yes. Okay, number five. Uh, the Seed of Man, 1969. Okay. Yeah. This is when I was talking about having one of these kinds of movies, like with the um, uh, the daughters. Yeah, the Daughters of Darkness. I'd said that mm-hmm. this can go horribly wrong. This is a perfect example of having like a really interesting storyline, but uh, just like ruining it with how it's done, mm-hmm. with how it's directed, how it's um, acted out. Because, like we said, there was a lot of parts that made no sense. They just, it was very um, shoveled. Like it didn't flow well. It didn't seem to it follow really... a, a very solid storyline. Right. It really dragged in parts. Like it was just. And there was parts that were totally unnecessary. And then there was parts mm-hmm. that were totally skipped. Um, while I understand that sometimes you don't give all of the answers because it allows for interpretation. Mm-hmm. I don't think it had the same effect as they hoped. Cause I think they had hoped it created imagination and like curiosity when realistically it just created a frustration being like the movie barely gave us anything to go off of, of trying mm-hmm. to like make, um, our final decision to kind of theorize because there was nothing to really theorize off of. Cause like you can't put an idea of there's a plague. Uh, this person has to get pregnant. Um, they have the year. Uh, okay, cool. Like either it's the obvious cause it's been a year. She didn't get pregnant or there's something else. Cause it happened mm-hmm. in the movie, but it's just, I don't know. It feels like if it is exactly what it was at the intro, it's way too bland and there's not enough. Like you literally just could have had the intro where it's like, Oh, Hey, you have a year. Cool. You blew up. Yeah. <laughs> the year. So you could have done there's, that. And then, then like, there's a story. Like, I don't know. I mean, you know what needed to blow up the fucking whale carcass needed to blow up. I, I was oh, yeah. super disappointed that that never happened in the film. It's just like, yeah. Okay. That and then we're just hanging out by it too. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's like there's there's no way you'd be hanging out near that fucking thing because that would have stunk like a motherfucker if it was real. Yeah, and the yeah. Um, that fight scene between the two females was terribly done. Dumb. Like I yeah. get, I get, I, I I very much understand older movies. There's not a lot of women who got into fighting because like it was very much frowned upon. So I get all that, but you have a literal choreographer who could try to do something to mm-hmm. make it look a little bit better. And there's tons of movies from previous years that had fight scenes between women that looked a lot better. So, yeah. and a lower budget too. So you can't give me that excuse. This was just an attempt at being artistic and creative and it fell flat on its face. Yeah. I liked it a little bit better than you, but I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you. Like, it, yeah, it, it was, a, it was a failure. Like it, it didn't, it didn't manage to do what it was trying to do as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number five, the house of seven corpses from 1974 directed by Paul Harrison. Not this a thousand no, corpses? No, <laughs> no, there's, there's uh, 993 less in this one. Um, no, it's a prequel then. <laughs> yeah, it's a prequel. Now this one could have used an extra 993 corpses to make it interesting because it sucked. Um, 
this is a fucking hey you know what's sort of popular right around now like haunted house movies and stuff in the 70s we got like the legend of hell house we got burnt offerings we got amityville horror and all kinds of other stuff kind of popping up so let's let's take our shot at it but let's present it in the most drab fucking tv movie production we possibly can produce let's have nothing happen for most of the movie let's have a ghoul show up but not really do anything other than maybe kill a couple people off screen and that's it it's just it was just a it's it's another it's a it's a blue balls movie it's 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 like fucking blind goddess it's like <laughs> you know the setup's kind of cool it's like okay we're gonna have like a haunted house where there's a ghoul buried outside that's gonna come out during the night and like kill one or two of the people in the house and we're gonna there's a murder mystery and stuff it's like no 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 you're you're just uh you're just you're just bucking at a fucking you guys you, you know you, you suck you, it, it sucks it, it's terrible I, I didn't like it it was and it was like I, I this was one of the ones i did for my 31 days of horror that i i finally got around to doing this past october and by the time I got to the end of the month and this was the last one, I was like, oh my God, this is what I end on this fucking wet fart of a movie that like just doesn't touch any of the other sort of like haunted house, supernatural <laughs> house movies that are around at this time. Like, cause I've seen pretty much all the other ones that have sort of come out in the seventies around this time. And this is the most weak sauce fucking bullshit. It's just like no charm to it at all. And it had it had promise, but it just didn't deliver. Unfortunate. Mm. Seems to be a lot of movies like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, good intro. Oh shit. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's you know the movies I usually end up hating are the ones that just like get boring and like they have promise but they never go anywhere and it's like there's nothing think- there's there's no bigger sin than a movie that's boring that, that never does anything never takes any chances never goes anywhere and that's just another example. Yeah, I think that's the big thing as well. Like, especially when they start off with an idea where you're like, "Oh, awesome! This, sh- this should be really good." And then when you see it, you're like, "Oh, where's the potential?" Done. Yeah. And that just makes me more frustrated. Um. All right. Sorry. Uh. Number four. Yes. All right. Uh. When men carried clubs and women played ding dong. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I. I. The only thing that was really good about this movie was um the females the hot women uh, yes yeah the the visual of beautiful women who are in very little clothing um mm-hmm. was the only thing that was good about this movie yes that's it yeah, <laughs> yeah. But i can't even add anything else i barely remember the story i didn't even care to try and go back mm-hmm. and about the story. um nothing made sense um the movie made i don't know why they made this movie i think they just said screw it let's just get a bunch of naked women and film them and hopefully make that, money that was to- that was totally it there there was just a couple films around this time that were like caveman movies or land before time kind of movies that were popular this is an italian made film that like let's capitalize on that but how are we going to do it we don't have any budget for dinosaurs or anything like that really so what do we do well we'll just make a caveman and we'll distract from the fact that we don't have a plot by having a lot of hot chicks and skimpy clothes who sometimes get naked, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a couple shots like 
from a distance of them like bathing. And then there's a couple shots here and there where they get topless or whatever, but yeah, it's, it's close up, but it, you know, it, it's, it's it sucks. Nothing. There's nothing to it. There's nothing. Mm. It's just boob. Yeah. Just boob. like, it's not even, it's not even a movie where you're like, Oh, Hey, you need to watch it as a joke. Cause there's, there's so many times we make those jokes, like in our group about watching movies and we're like, is there boob? Um, yeah. It's just those kind of like jokes, right? This one didn't even make that worth it. Like it, it it's not sexy. Be, like I wouldn't, if someone asked me like, what's a good boob movie, I would not recommend this. I'd be like, no, don't just don't. Yeah. No, yeah, no, it's, it's just the difference, right? It's not sexy. Like I can appreciate like a movie with some hot chicks getting naked and some dudes and getting together and fucking or just chicks fucking or, what, or whatever, you know, whatever you're into. Yeah, I can, I can get into shitty B movies that do that, as long as it's kind of sexy, you know, like as long as there's something hot going on. Like, or even whether, if it's just, I don't even, even care. Even if it's just for like ridiculous, as long as there's something about it that's captivating to the story. Yeah. I mean, even even if there's no actual sex scenes, like you can have movies with chicks getting topless and stuff, and like teasing and having fun, and like that's sexy too. But if you don't yeah. have like any, like this movie didn't have that. Like it, it was just so. Like why? It was just like no. There's there's nothing going on. There's nothing going on. Yeah, I I I entirely agree. I um. So I'm obsessed with uh, Showgirls. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. I know people will rip like totally rip it apart, but it is a, a cult classic now. It has rightly so. Yeah, it has received cult status. Um, and the movie does have uh, tons of nudity in it, mm -hmm. but. It's also a really interesting story because, like, when you watch it, yeah. you understand everything. You go into it, so I get to appreciate the beauty of all these women because they're all stunning and gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it adds on, or sorry, if the people are saying like, "Well, the huge boobs sell it." Cool, that's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. No, that um, see that so that was trashy and fun, and it's got that ridiculous fucking uh, swimming pool sex scene that like can't work in physics at all yeah. but unless he's got like the dick that's like two feet fucking long yeah 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 like it, it's it's just yeah it's just one of those things like cool there's always gonna be something in movies that's added in for ridiculous reasons to get uh people to buy it and whether it's adding a superheroine whether it's adding some ridiculous violence or whatever or adding boobs like it's all these things that you can't just add it in and make a movie. It can't just be there and you hope to save the movie. You have to have something behind it. It has to have sustenance behind it to mm -hmm. make it great or make it good or make it like a bad, good movie. Right. <laughs> just yeah. Nothing. No, no. Sh Showgirl Showgirls knows what movie it is. Like it's winking at you and because it knows it's fucking trashy. It knows it's an exploitation film that somehow got in theaters Back in the yeah. 90s, like usually movies like that wouldn't get in theaters, but this one had the hype and stuff behind it. And it had like, oh, the the good girl from Saved by the Bells going to get hella naked. And like it had all that hype behind it and shit. And it's a fun fucking time. It's a fun fucking movie. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's a cult classic now. And there's tons of people who fucking love that movie. And yep. it's my New Year's watch with one of my friends. It's our tradition now. That is the mm -hmm. movie we watch on New Year's. Um, and my other friend, Ryan, he's the one who introduced it to me. 
We watch it every time I come see him. Friggin' love that movie. Uh, but yeah, this back to the actual movie we were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. This is the opposite. This is literally they're trying to put a Band-Aid on a movie that's terrible by just showing boob. You can't put something in that sells and hope it fixes the movie. Yeah. And that's what they were doing. They were they were hoping, oh, people are going to see this because there's the there's the promise of naked flesh in it, and even that's like once you get to it, get in the theater and watch it, it's like, ugh. yep, yeah, you can find better. Um, my my number four is uh, called uh, Lucas's Child from 1993, directed by Eric Luzil, and this is actually uh, another example of. Putting a bunch of hot chicks and getting them naked does not make a movie. You know, like this this one comes from an era where I was watching a lot of like hot chicks and direct-to-video movies getting naked. And it's like, hey, perfect time. Perfect time for me to be seeing this kind of thing. They it looks like they hired like a bunch of like wish.com skinamax actresses basically who you know not necessarily the ones that are always getting work, like to some no names, but they look like the kind of chicks you'd see in those cable you know direct the cable direct the video sexy thrillers and stuff like that softcore movies um but the whole plot of it is the satanic cult captures these chicks and feeds them to the uh demonic son of the cult leader but there's nothing going on in this fucking movie like <laughs> it they'll, they'll capture the woman she'll be in their prison she'll be either naked or in under underwear and you know it's fun to look at and all, but then they they feed quote unquote her to the demonic ch- son, and they don't have the budget to show anything, so it's just like it's literally the monster lurches at her like, and then they cut away. So like it doesn't it doesn't fulfill like as far as I can tell it doesn't really fulfill anybody's fetishes like you know. They're, sure, the chicks are hot, but they're not doing anything spe- specifically all that hot that it's like, oh, I'm going to sit here and jack off to this or whatever, you know? And, I mean, for people who are into vor or whatever, with you know, seeing hot ladies get eaten and digested by monsters or whatever, doesn't do that either. So it's like, what is the audience? That. What? I like that you knew the name for that. Yeah, vorophilia? Yeah, I know what vorophilia is. I just um, think it's See, talking about your impressive vocabulary. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it doesn't do any of those things. And it's a real disappointment. The only good thing is that like the cult leader is kind of having fun with his role. Like he's kind of running away with it a little bit. So that was kind of enjoyable. But like the movie as a whole is just it's another wet fart. It's just one of those ones that's like there's promise here. And also the, the demon child looks kind of good. Like it's it's a dude in like a rubber suit kind of thing. And he, he basically kind of looks like, oh, you know, you think demon guy with horns and wings and stuff. And that's kind of what it is. Um, and it looks pretty decent, but they don't do anything with it. Like it's just, again, like I said, he lurches at the woman and then they cut away basically before you see any like violence or eating or anything like that. Um, because I, I, they probably didn't want to damage the fucking costume because it was, it was yeah. probably like, if it, if, if one of those chicks like came in contact with the costume, it'd probably like wreck its claws or something like that. And they couldn't repair it. Um, it's just a cheap like thing 
that flew under the radar. I don't even know how the fuck I found it and watched it, but it was for my 31 Days of Horror this past year, too. The promise of sexy women from the 90s in their underwear was like, oh, that takes me back. That might be fun, and it was not fun. It's just, yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's our lesson of, I guess, 2024, but from watching 2023 movies. Mm -hmm. Not use... (laughs) <laughs> any sort of gimmicks if there's nothing to back it up with yeah if, Stop if, it. if you're if you're if you're gonna give me sexy ladies let's let's appeal to some sort of fetish i have please like, like, <laughs> let's not just have them stand there or just anything like just make mm-hmm. it so that the movie's worthwhile make it so that the nudity is worthwhile because the movie mm-hmm. that we saw like the 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 what the whatever the carried clubs thing um yeah it wasn't there was no point. Like there was no reason to have it. There was nothing. There was nothing that added. There was nothing like had you had it or had you not had it, wouldn't have changed the movie. Um, yeah, and in this movie, there was honestly there wasn't even all that much nudity. Like there was a little bit, but it wasn't like it's not like there there was a nudity I expected. It, there wasn't wall to wall nudity. Let's put it that way. So yeah, but still, yeah, if they're just using throwing it in there to try and like fix their shitty movie, it's not yeah. gonna work. No, it didn't work. Even with Greg, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think even Greg would like these. Um, so you're number three. Number three. All right. So now we're going way more like opposite direction. There's no boobies in this movie. Okay. <laughs> so uh, right before Christmas, it is the only oh. Hallmark movie I watched this year. Mm-hmm. Um, every year, I'm always just curious, or not every year, every other year, or every few years. I don't know. I'm always curious because I get to see all the filming on like right in front of my apartment. So I get mm-hmm. curious about watching, seeing if I can see stuff. Cause it's fun to be like, Hey, I know that. Mm-hmm. And this is the one I decided to watch. And I regretted it. I don't know why every time I do it. And it's, it's just, it's just dumb. It's just so dumb. Yeah. Christmas movies are dumb. Like Hallmark Christmas movies are dumb. So bad. I got the people. There's people who love them, and you know what? Good on you. I love that you love these movies. There's so many of them. (laughs) Like it's some people. Some people watch them ironically, and then a lot of people. I'm convinced they might say they like them, but it's really they just. It's something that plays on TV all the time, like the Hallmark Network or whatever you know, or whatever equivalent we have in Canada or similar channel, and they play all fucking day. They play all fucking year. You see Christmas movies in fucking June and July. Like, like my mom once in a while has like that channel going on her television. Right. And then she's not watching the movies. She's just like, she's doing something else, but they're playing in the background all the time. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. There's people that I know who really do enjoy them, like legitimately enjoy them. And you know what? That's great. That's who they're trying to appeal to. Um, and there's so many, so you have such a variety. Like mm-hmm. you enjoy really weird horror movies. Oh, my cat's doing something. Sorry. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, poor Sid. Yeah, she did something in my camera here. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. Am I? Yeah, you're fine. You look nothing's changed. Literally, nothing's changed. I, Don't break I it. I can't find my window. It's <laughs> I don't know where it went, but you're fine. Either way. Uh, okay. Okay. There I am. It's <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if it appeals to you, it's, I get the whole heartwarming and falling in love and romantic, like 
uh, romantic. I was going to say a bunch of other words, but I don't want to insult them too much because there's there's movies there's like movies for every type of person. That's let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. There is movies for every yes. type of person. You really enjoy a lot of horror movies that a lot of other people don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other people who love other types of movies. So whatever. I'm not putting anybody down. If you love Hallmark movies, continue. Like absolutely. Um, this is literally just me, my opinion of why it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you love them, continue loving them and love them with fucking pride. Make fun of me of hating on to them so hard. Like mm-hmm. literally. And this is any movie, anywhere, anytime. Like don't get angry when people don't have the same opinion as you. That's all. Anyways, yes. this movie. This movie. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I absolutely hated it. Uh Chad Michael Murray. Um mm-hmm. all he is is a pretty face. Uh he's not a great actor. There's no. nothing about it. Like I, I didn't really fall in love with him like you're supposed to with these movies. I just thought he was weird and dumb and annoying. And I thought she was just just desperate to find love even though she's like i'm not finding love and then she found love like a day later like i don't know no most of those movies are hey white people doesn't doesn't matter that you wasted most of your life becoming a successful business person or small town (laughs) guy who hasn't met his potential you can still find love in the whitest way possible yeah Mm -hmm. you can come back home to remember how unsuccessful you were in your hometown and how the person you were in love with in elementary school has not left your hometown Mm -hmm. and that you should somehow not leave either and go back to your successful business. Um, The last two that I've watched from Hallmark have had different stories than that, thankfully. There are different stories. Definitely different stories. Boring as fuck, but (laughs) they're adding a little spice. It might be a little... Oh, um, really? Yeah, it might be a little like salt or pepper, so like the basic bitch spices, but they're adding little spice. These movies really disappoint me because like I see all these like hot actresses from the nineteen nineties and two thousands who never got naked on screen are now doing these movies. It's like, oh my god, they're never gonna get naked, are they? They're they're just not gonna do it. They're gonna do these instead. I would much prefer and think highly more a higher of them if they got naked instead. Like yeah, like <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm I'm looking at I, I'm looking at you, Lacey Chabert. I've been waiting for your titties to pop out for twenty years, and it hasn't happened. Let's put it out there. I just think like Hallmark movies are more of a a way to sell yourself than having a boob movie. Like I yeah, I don't know. Like just to me, like I don't know why. Like I just don't I don't see it as like I just see it as Hallmark is scraping the bottom of the barrel of finding something to act in. Or do something in because there's so many of them that literally like cool. Let's just toss they're, my resume they, and hope for the best. Let's get a bite. They're hiring any washed up actor or actress that will fucking show up for a fucking sandwich and fifty bucks. Like <laughs> that's something. Yeah, it's just like wherever. They're like cool. We just need a person who looks like this. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I just I don't know. I think that's that's the movie. I. I rather see him come back and do some sort of like movie where their their boobies are shown mm-hmm. instead of a Hallmark movie. And it's not like to say anything about seeing nudity. It's just literally I probably would find that movie a lot more entertaining for context reasons. Yeah. Than a Hallmark movie. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I think it's just me. I think like, yeah, I, I, I see people in Hallmark movies. I'm like, okay, that's where you are now. Like mm-hmm. 
don't know. It just, I don't know. Your number uh, three. Three. My number three, The Domino Principle from 1977, directed by Stanley Kramer. This was proof that Gene Hackman could make a bad movie in the 1970s, which I didn't, before before now, I did not think was a thing. But uh, it's just this played out spy picture, kind of assassination government conspiracy picture that makes very little sense. Like the whole idea of why they would hire him as their assassin um, and blackmail him into being an assassin makes no sense when they probably have a plethora of professional assassins they could fucking hire. So like the whole story on it on its on its own kind of starts out bullshit, and uh, it just kind of goes nowhere. And it, it doesn't have a lot of action going on. There's not a lot of impressive stuff. It's mostly just Gene Hackman going, "I don't wanna." No, I don't. I don't want to kill this person for you. I don't want to do that. And and then like the organization that tries to hire him, like basically blackmailing him into doing it. And it it was kind of boring. And I was just like, why was this movie made? It makes no sense. It, it sucked. So uh, there you go. Domino principle. Don't watch it. Lame. Mm-hmm. All right, number two. Yes. Children of the Corn, twenty twenty. Oh wow. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I watched this movie and the whole time <laughs> I was genuinely captivated by how bad it was. <clears throat> the main character, the female, the the young girl child that's supposed to be the evil one. Okay. She was laughable. Like her, I'm not going to rip on her too much. She's very young. So I'm not going to say like these are developed characters or anything, but I'm going to like want to kind of slap the director a little bit, like not actually slap, but like verbally slap. Um, Because a lot of the choices they made is the director's fault. Uh, Yeah. Like it's, and the editing or whatever the case may be, they just, I think they did her dirty. Like you have a child. So I'm not going to rip on them for acting. And mm-hmm. I know the director can't fix everything, but like, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, she's young. She's learning. So whatever, let's just skip over that. I didn't like it. I just, I don't want to, I don't like making fun of child actors just cause like, again, uh, they're so new. Like I know there's sometimes it's great, but like, it's it's really hard to to insult somebody who's so young in the career, like where there's so much development to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just I didn't find the part was good for her. I didn't think I didn't take her seriously in the movie. I didn't think it was uh, done like she's supposed to be grumpy all the time, and it just looked more annoying, like she was constipated or something. <laughs> like I don't know, like she just looked irritable versus like evil. Um, okay. Yeah, it just uh, it wasn't convincing. She was not convincing as a lead. And then the um, the protagonist, um, she was just really annoying. Like, you were supposed to feel pity for her. You were supposed to feel, like, the want to, like, escape. But I didn't care. At the end, I was like, okay, what the fuck's happening? Like, how are you still alive? Um, and then the story was, I don't even know. It just drab the whole thing was drab like the whole 
idea. I remember, okay, so I watched Children of Corn a long time ago. Um, I very much enjoyed it. I don't know if that stands now because I've been watching a few horror movies from mm-hmm. the past and I've realized that I don't like them. So I could be totally wrong. It, this movie could actually be garbage, but younger me, um, like high school me, enjoyed Children of the Corn. Maybe younger. Yeah. Elementary school me. I enjoyed Children of the Corn. I'd say the original Children of the Corn isn't the worst fucking thing out there, but it, it's not, you know, it's just kind of okay. It's kind of like at a time where like a bunch of Stephen King adaptations were like really, really fucking good. It's probably the yeah. lesser of all of them. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, um, that one back then, uh, there were some iconic moments that I still remember, uh, and I haven't seen it in years. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing this one now being like, Hey, this is kind of a cool idea. I wonder what they can do with it. Like, yeah, I remember enjoying it when I was a kid. Let's getting really excited to see this one. Uh, no, that was no, 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 no. <laughs> that was, this is a movie that shouldn't have been made. It just, uh, there's nothing. It didn't add anything to a movie mm-hmm. experience. It didn't, um, get inventive with a, a, a interesting storyline. It tried to, dig in real deep with like the shock value of things but it didn't like it just it tried too hard to be uh terrifying and like really um yeah it really tried to to shock you and tried to scare you and tried to do all that stuff but it slipped and fell and rolled down the hill and ended up in a dumpster like it just <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There was something about it. Like, like I said, the acting, the, cho- the choices of the actors were bad. But again, it's a gamble when you're working with young actors. You never know what you're going to get. Um, I mm-hmm. think the protagonist was a little bit older. Um, I didn't find her very impressive. The young one, young. So whatever. I'll look past that. But everything else around it. Like, there's movies where I've seen there's bad acting, yes, but everything else kind of saves it. Like, you're like, yeah, you know, the lead was a little meh, but, like, the storyline was good, or this was good. Mm-hmm. This, this, this was nothing. Like, this was, like, trying so hard to, like, be the best horror movie ever, and it just... It was worse than The Exorcist. <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I don't know where a fucking Children of the Corn movie could go at this point, because there's the original series before this remake... There was like, there's like seven to nine sequels or something like that in that series alone. Like that, that's a that's one of the. It's like up there with Hellraiser and um, Witchcraft as like the longest running like direct to video horror series with so many entries in the franchise. Like I I, fig- I figured like they've probably exhausted every possible fucking idea they could think of for Children of the Corn at this point. But you can just take back one of the things, take back one of the ideas and remake it to try and make it better. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Like, there's a lot of movies that haven't, they've, it's been so long. And uh, since a lot of them are straight to DVD or straight to the film, like, mm-hmm. a lot of people probably haven't seen them. So this might intrigue people to go back if they did it properly. But yeah. because they didn't, it's not worthwhile. Like, I have no interest in going to see any of these movies now because I think, like, if this is what you had your inspiration off of, um, I'm just going to assume garbage. Like, sounds like they sounds like all they did was like a lazy gender flip of like the main characters, like the the cult characters, and that's about it. Yeah, from what you're, from what you're saying. Yeah, but the the original one had um, tried less with the visuals, like tried less with 
they they just focused on the story rather than mm-hmm. um the killing and the evil and all that stuff well this one really tried heavily to show you how evil this child was and it just completely missed like they were throwing watermelons down and entirely missed the shot like mm. just nothing like they could not hit anything anything <laughs> Like, I don't know, the largest pumpkins you could think of. They were like, oh, no, let's step off the plate and, like, swing over here. Like, they just, nothing hit. Nothing. Even obvious things that should hit. Nothing hit. Nothing about this movie is good. Nothing is enjoyable. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to take it back. going to give some comments of good stuff. Okay. Um, the location scouting, um, that was really good. Even though it's not that hard. You usually find a cornfield and stuff. Yeah. Um, and the visuals. The, like, like, the actual... Literally, all you need is a cornfield. Like, <laughs> yeah, but it was great. They chose a, a great cornfield. Um, the the visual of some things uh, had it hit. Um, I think it would have been a lot more effective because mm-hmm. there's some stuff that they got shots where it could have made you feel like very uneasy. But because like you're just like, what the fuck is going on, or what is this happening? Like, what are you trying to do? You just lost that um, impact. But some okay. of it, like some of the videography, some of the filming, some of the shots were really good. It just lost its effect entirely. Oh, that sucks. That's disappointing when it's just like, oh, why did why did you even bother making this? Like, meh. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, my number two: When men carry clubs and women play ding dong. Nineteen seventy-one. Oh, Bruno Start again. No, well, I think we said what we need to say about it. Like it, I've got nothing Round to add. Two. Yeah, fight. No, no. Uh, we 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 already did a fucking perfect fatality on this one. It's 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 terrible. It's just it's crap. No one needs to see it. It was just it's a weird odyssey or not odyssey oddity that is rightly for, forgotten. And there's like no good cleaned up DVD of this, and there never needs to be one. Like the version we watched was some fucking thing I pulled from like a porn site because it had some titties in it. So it showed up on a porn site somehow. And that was it. Like, yeah, it's terrible. Um, Don't watch it. No, Bruno Corbucci's worst, worst movie. And don't be curious and go watch it. Like, no, it's not worth that. Like, it's not worth your curiosity. Whatever you think, think lower. Like, yeah, no, like, like our friend Vaughn, he was like, I might watch this. I was like, you don't, you don't need to watch it. I mean, if, if if you really want to watch it, I uploaded probably the most decent version of it that's possible to find on my channel, privated it on my channel or whatever. If you really want the link and you really want to watch this, I'll give you the link. But you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> if you need a movie to nap to, you can do that. Because you might yeah. as well just get a good nap in if you're going to watch this movie. Like, it's not worth the time. It's not worth the energy. Mm. There's, like, nothing about it. I don't remember anything about it. Like, I just remember how pointless it was. It's just a lot like, of bad jokes and some nudity that doesn't work. And it's just like, okay. And just, yeah. Like, you get excited when the movie ends. Yes. The the only thing I liked about, like, I can't even believe I'm saying, like, I didn't even enjoy the nudity of the movie. The only thing I liked was the music. Like, I liked the theme yeah. song for it and stuff. I thought that was good. But other than that, it was, I was more, I actually had more fun researching the theme and, like, the soundtrack to it and all that stuff. I actually did more work doing that because I had to, like, find a copy of it and all that stuff. I enjoyed that a lot more. I got way more out of that than I got out of watching the fucking movie. 
it's a bad movie. It's a bad, it's a movie. bad movie. It's a bad movie. Yeah. So uh, you're number one, Lady Lee. All right. So I started off with a Bruce Willis movie, and I'm going to okay. finish this off with a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, Armageddon. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I, I should know this. You've, you've talked to me about this a couple times now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I kind of started ripping it apart on one of the podcasts, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it's like the last hour, last 45 minutes, is literally just every chaotic thing that could happen that doesn't stop happening, that won't <laughs> stop happening, that somehow manages to happen over and over again to make more of a thing. Like, you keep having more plot holes on top of plot holes on top of plot holes to the point where, like, um, instead of having potholes, you just have, like, a fucking... Um, a sink in, like a whatchamacallit, like a sinkhole, yeah. Yeah, sinkhole. Like that's that's the the end of the movie where it's like, okay, guys, well, even though you could see the ends coming, we're gonna have this huge lava pit in front of you and get you to cross it with a canoe. <laughs> like it just like you get to the part where you're like, okay, well, obviously it's gonna end in tragedy because they can't stop adding tragedy in it to be like, oh no, not yet. Oh no, mm-hmm. it's not yet yet. Oh no no no, we got another thing to add in just to make sure. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of edging in that movie. It, like the whole and the whole thing, the whole like again, it's just doing the the good old guy being the hero, which. By the way, Bruce Willis is exactly the same in Die Hard. Like it's, it yeah, he much. he doesn't change much in any. Well, like I'll I'll say there's a couple movies where he's pretty good, but for the most part, Bruce Willis is so one note in most of his movies. I liked him in Red. I thought those were cute movies. They were funny, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was Bruce Willis who made them. I think the other actors. Made nah, them. it was everyone else around him in those. That's literally what I just said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I was agreeing with you. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I heard nah. Like, no. No, no. no I, well, I I'm saying you, yeah. Yes, I understand now. I understand your language. Uh, All right. Yeah, like, that's, you that's speak like, good, woman. Hit with club. That's, yeah, you could have replaced him with anybody. Like, it, it, he didn't make the movie. And it's the same with this. You could have literally replaced him with anybody. It would have made the movie. Yes. Um He's extremely one noted. There's maybe a couple things out there that he's better at, but he's very one noted. Honestly, I'd argue if you had like stuck like Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone in there, it probably would have made the movie a lot better. Because at least you'd have a charismatic like lead. Yeah. Work the fucking thing. Yeah, like he. I think he would have had. He wouldn't have taken himself so seriously because that's what I find with Bruce Willis. He takes him very seriously, and it's always Mm -hmm. that one note. It's always that like I'm gonna be the good guy who's the hero. Anyways. I don't like it. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like the movie. The movie was really bad. That uh, fucking song. I can stay uh, awake just to hear you breathe. Yeah, oh god, that was that was was that fucking Aerosmith that did the yeah. soundtrack? Oh my god, Aerosmith was so. Aerosmith got you know as much as I don't want to like, as much as I don't want to like promote like addiction and drug abuse and stuff like that. Aerosmith was way better of a band when they were all just a bunch of strung out drunk junkies. Like once they kicked that fucking stuff, their music fucking nosedived. They had this resurgence in the nineties and all their stuff was terrible. 
Well, a lot of the stuff, well, a lot of artists in general, like when you talk about artists, uh, mm-hmm. tend to have their best work when they are going through those moments because it's usually a way of um, coping and doing stuff and like uh, recovery or whatever the case may be. Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's their way of kind of dealing with life. And even um, Bill Hicks said it, like try finding one artist that wasn't influenced by drugs right. or like some sort of, yeah. So not, again, not promoting it, but it's definitely, um, you can see people's passions or you could see people like putting their heart into things when they're at a certain point in their lives. You know what, I'm going to promote it. I'm going to promote it. I'm going to advocate it right now. You people out there that want to like get into art and music and stuff like that, become a junkie, please. Do it. Do it for us. Take it for the team. Do not. Do not. Do not. But this is, this is kind of like the point though this is not the this is causation and correlation they didn't really become clean it wasn't so much that helped them or sorry made their music terrible it was that they became extremely famous where literally like they would do anything for a buck like yeah yeah it's like it's like this wait a minute you dumb whores you forgot your money yeah and also um steven tyler is a garbage human being like is he what did he do he Oh, I don't remember the details. Did he adopt somebody? Did he take somebody? Anyways, underage girl went on tour with him, and um, oh, like, so he's got, like, yeah, so he's like every other rock star from the seventies. He had sex with underage women. He took this girl on tour with him all where everywhere. <sighs> this was not occasional like bang because she's a groupie. This was like took her from her family, which by the way, her family's gross for allowing this to happen. Oh, so but this is. So this is like Ted Nugent levels because Ted Nugent did kind of the same thing. He groomed a chick until she was old enough that he could marry her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, wow. we're gonna okay. That. The movie Armageddon um, is a crappy movie. The thing I don't like, there's one point in this movie where Steve Buscemi, mm-hmm. you know, like he's screaming in your face, he's going to do something because the whole time he's like, oh, the world's going to end anyway. The world's going to end anyway. And then they get to the point, like, he just randomly starts shooting things, being like, ha it's going to end anyway. I'm just going to kill all of you. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing, he, they don't even really do anything to, like, apprehend it. Like, it was barely even discussed or anything. Like, it was glazed over, except for the fact he's tied to a chair, but it was glazed over. And then at the end, they're like, well, you guys can't come back. Of course they can't come back. Who saw that coming? Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, the biggest fucking, like, oh, really? That's the fucking curveball you're throwing? No, no, that is the most that's, obvious fucking ending. It's just so by the numbers dumb. Like it, it, it's one of those movies that's big, dumb, full of cum, the cliche. Oh, but it's, it oh my god! But here, here's the thing: it doesn't, it doesn't end with like a big cum blast in the face. It ends like those like early '80s porn movies where everyone's doing so many drugs that like when they come, they just kind of like it just kind of drips out like a leaky faucet. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, so you think <laughs> that the person to press the button at the end would be the person who's suicidal, who literally said, hey, guys, I'll do this. I literally want mm-hmm. to die. But what did they do? No, we got to bring you back. For what yeah. reason? Why? Instead of the guys, I'm the hero, guys. I'm the hero. You're not the hero. You're an idiot. <laughs> you literally yeah, yeah. had somebody willing to do the job. Willing. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, so no, it's a bad movie. It's, it's a very bad dumb. movie. And very then, like, bad of movie. course, like I said, 
the last, I can't even remember, but you think you're getting close to the end of the movie and they're like, no, no, we got to edge you as far as we can. That, like you said, it's like a, your body is just like, oh God, yeah, I just have to have an orgasm and it's not even you, worth it. You know, it's a bit, you know, it's a bad movie when fucking Ben Affleck is shit talking it on the fucking DVD commentary where he's just like, oh, here we are now doing this. Oh, wow. This makes a lot of sense. This is bullshit. This is stupid. Like it, it's yeah, no, it's, it's a bad movie. It's, it's uh, just a cook. It's just a cookie cutter made by Hollywood, Michael Bay bullshit kind of movie, and it sucks. It's not good. It's um. So the biggest reason why this is on my top of my list because there are some others here that are like worse than. Mm-hmm. How much money is put into this movie? How yeah. much like they have? How many people doing how many things for them? And it's like I don't even know. It, it's just one of those things where you have a whole selection of everybody, but then you take the one person who you're trying to really keep pushing the same fucking narrative of the um, good old American boy. Um, Mm -hmm. And that the, the, whatever the, the blue collar being the hero, which I don't like, I, I, it's great. If you do it properly and you do it right, those movies Mm -hmm. can be fucking awesome where you're like, I I get tired of hearing them at times because there's so many, but when there's a really good one, you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I really like this one. This is just a repeat. Like it's a rinse. Yeah. Wash, rinse and repeat. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned it perfectly. It's a color by numbers movie. It's okay. This is what we're going to do now. This is what's going to happen now. And it's going to be blue, red, green. (laughs) Like just, Mm -hmm. this this is the order. Like there's no, anything about this there's nothing about this movie that's creative there's nothing about this movie that has any sort of uh, originality except for the fact that it's space i don't even know mm-hmm. moonraker did that like come on now yeah yeah it's not even that original no it's just you have so much given to you you have so much with it when it comes to budget and writers and cameras and like actors and location everything Everything is literally given to you on a fucking silver platter to make something that's amazing. And what do you get? This. Yeah, no, it's it's movie by committee. There's no originality or like coloring outside the lines. It's like this is the formula we use to make money in Hollywood. And so that's what that movie was. And that's why it ended up on the top because it was boo-boo. All right. Uh, my number one. Uh, and this is one... But probably a lot of people haven't watched, honestly. It just kind of popped up on Shudder and then kind of disappeared. Uh, this is Spirit Halloween the Movie from 2022, directed by David uh, Pogue, I guess. I did um, see it on Shudder, but I did not watch it. You do not need to watch it. It is, like it. It is sponsored by Spirit uh, Halloween, the uh, the store that sells oh you know, my God, Halloween, really? Halloween decorations and stuff, yes. It is basically just a big commercial for their stupid fucking stores. And it's probably the most tone deaf fucking thing I've ever seen in in quite recent times. Um, Because when people talk about crappy Halloween costumes and like wish.com fucking uh, this, it's, you know, like when when you say wish.com this, wish.com that. Spirit Halloween is the wish.com for like Halloween decorations and fucking costumes and stuff because they're shit. And how they have no self realization, no self awareness of that they are the, the butt of the joke for this kind of shit is beyond me. 
but this movie's like spirit halloween is the shit and these kids are gonna get their costumes here and they're gonna go into the spirit halloween store and horror stuff's gonna happen it sucks it's boring it's terrible it's trash it's there's no originality in it it's just a it's a stupid fucking kind of riffs a little bit from like stranger things and you know kids in a fucking halloween setting kind of bullshit <laughs> And it's just the laziest, stupidest thing. And it's like lazy, stupid movies offend me more than anything else. It's just like so boring, stupid. I can't even 100% remember everything that happened in it. And I'm glad. I'm glad I'm forgetting what happened in the movie because it was so <laughs> bad. And it's just it's just a so cynical commercial product for a, a store that sells fucking... D level fucking Halloween costumes to fucking people who can't afford better. And it, I hope it disappears from Shudder very soon and no one ever watches again. Like, this is one of those ones where it's like, originally I was going to say, okay, this is the Mac and me of like this generation because it's such a soulless, like corporate sponsored kind of thing. But Mac and me even has like a weirdness to it that makes it kind of a cult classic that people still want to watch and still remember. This is a movie everyone's going to forget. No one's going to remember this movie 20 years from now. It's just a piece of trash. It's it's going to be funneled out the universal poop hole and never fucking talked about ever again. And that's what it deserves. Uh, me talking about it this much right now, this like two minutes I spent talking about it, is giving it more attention than it fucking deserves. And, and you gave it the best attention. <laughs> I guess. Fuck. So that's it. That's Fuck. probably the best review that they ever got for the movie. <laughs> it's a review, at least. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Speaking of our worst, um, I just thought of this while you were talking about some movies. What are some rewatches? that you have done this year that your original thought has drastically changed from your current thought. So something that you like thought Ooh. you might've enjoyed that now you realized like, wow, this is not that great. Jesus. I don't, that's, that's putting me on the spot. I don't know if I can answer that. Um, I'm trying okay, to well, think. I have two and uh, okay. both these movies I watched when I was a lot younger, so it makes sense. So the first one is Annieville Horror. Uh, first okay. time I saw it, I think I was in, I don't think it was in college, actually. Um, I, I was being introduced to a lot more movies than what I normally seen. So this was mm. really interesting to me. Um, but then when I rewatched it, God damn it, was it boring? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, I, I did not, I could not get into it. I, I, didn't feel that feeling that I felt the first time. And then the second one, which this one I think is kind of hilarious because when I watched it as a kid, I remember everyone liked it and I was so like, I'm not scared of anything. So mm -hmm. I was thinking about how um, I hated this movie or sorry, I, I thought this movie was really bad, but then um, was like, okay, it was probably just because like everybody else hated it that, I'll just watch it again. So I'll try it again. Anyways, it's 13 ghosts. Okay. Yep. Nope. Somehow <laughs> me who was like 
I'm too cool for this movie was actually right. (laughs) (laughs) The movie is garbage. It is crap. The only thing amazing is the makeup that they did. Cause I know they did a whole thing about the makeup, like all of the, uh, the ghosts that they had. Mm -hmm. That was the only thing that was amazing. Everything else. Poo poo. Super poo poo. -poo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's something, I, I don't know. Like usually when, Usually, most movies I watch that I end up liking don't necessarily fall out of favor to me when I go back to it. Um, well, I, 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 I guess Senior Trip would be one. Like, like when when we talked about it, like I had like okay, I I kind of liked it. I didn't, you know, I didn't like 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 it or anything back in the day. Mm-hmm. I thought it was it was passable, but you know, rewatching it, I was like. It's not even passable. It's it's just it's bad. So that, that just, would be one. I just think it's fun to to watch something from somewhere where you're like, I think I enjoy this movie, or I remember enjoying this movie, and then you're watching it and you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just one of those enjoyable moments. <laughs> yeah, honestly, when I'm thinking about it, like most of the stuff I rewatched this year that I hadn't seen in like you know twenty years or more or whatever. A lot of them, I just I kind of ended up liking more. Uh, what's like I, one that you like the most? Like, what's one that improved the most from your second watch? Um, so there's the uh, there's Sea of Love from 1989, which is the Al Pacino, Ellen Birkin, uh, or Barkin, um, uh, s- sort of sexy thriller. And this was kind of before the sexy thriller became like. Uh, everyone's doing them kind of thing in the 1990s and they direct the cable and everything. So it's like, you know, it's like a movie with Shannon Tweed with a lot of sex scenes and maybe a murder in it or something like that. This, this is kind of like a little bit before that. It's, it's kind of like in that, um, oh, what's the fuck? I'm, I'm trying to think I'm fucking blanking on the fucking names of the movies. Um, body heat, dress to kill, um, cruising, um, fucking god damn it <laughs> i should i'm i'm blanking on the on the names of the films oh, but like, but there's some like really good ones around this time that are kind of doing the same thing and it's kind of neo-noir but it's you know sleazier and, and sexier and stuff like that and like you know we can show nudity we can have fucking ellen uh barkin like get behind Al Pacino and pin him against the wall. Cause he's physically smaller than her and he can, she can start like jacking him off. And he's like, Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Oh, Oh God damn Jesus. Yeah. And, and it's like really interesting. And I, I enjoyed it. Like I, I was just like, Oh yeah, this is the sleaze I need in a film. And <laughs> but at the same time, it's like a kind of a fun, like murder mystery kind of thing where it's like, He's convinced at some point that she's like the killer that they've been trying to hunt down. So he should be like keeping his distance, but it he can't help himself because he's kind of attracted to her at the same time. And so there's like this whole back and forth between the two. And yeah, it was, it was really good. It, it's just, it, it, it's, it's kind of on that showgirls level in a way. Like I, I think it's kind of a better made film than like a showgirls. Like it's, it's a bit more of a traditional story and, Okay. more of a, a movie movie <laughs> yeah. but 
but it it goes for the sleaze, right? Like it, it knowingly goes for the sleaze and and gets really like horny. And also there's like a buddy cop movie going on in it because uh, John Goodman's in it and he's like the partner to Al Pacino. And so there's like a good little buddy cop movie going on as well. And yeah, it's just pretty good. It's, 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 it stands out from the genre at the time. Like there's definitely a lot of films that come after it that do the same thing that are like, Hey, here, here's wall to wall titties. This one, you know, has its titties in uh, specific strategic locations in the film, you know, kind of thing. But, but yeah, no, I just, I just found myself enjoying it a lot more. I appreciated it a lot more watching it now, right? Where, where as opposed to like uh, twenty five years ago or whatever, when I first fucking saw it, uh, I was way younger and I didn't necessarily know what the genre was and what was going on half the time, and. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just one of those things. Hmm. Oh, okay. You know what? I, I do. I do have one that I that I watched that I didn't like as much back okay. in the day, and this is. And I'll just be really brief. Ernest goes to camp, nineteen eighty seven. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, I liked it as a kid, but watching it now, it's like this is kind of like the worst Ernest movie. Like it's like the first one or whatever, but it's like not that great. They're just kind of like figuring out the formula. It's like, it's not till Ernest scares stupid that they really get it good where it's like it really interesting and fun. They did this, this first one is just like Ernest at a camp and the kids that you're supposed to cheer are all a bunch of assholes and you treat Ernest like shit. And mm. they never, they never get any cup uppets or anything like that. And it's like, well, why am I watching this movie? What's going on? It's, it's really good. <laughs> So yeah, there, there we go. We got our answers. Perfect. Awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So we should uh, we should end this off. This turned out being as about as long as our other fucking best ofs, I think, by the end of it. Even though we tried to pare our list down and shit. And... You tried to pare your list down. I was yeah. trying to find that. So I failed again. It's fine. At least I recorded it this time. That's that's good. Yeah. Well that was just the first year. But I yeah. did this one, so yeah. You've successfully recorded the others. Yeah. But, um, so I can't remember what we're doing next whenever we do it, because you, you are going to be busy again very, very, very soon here. So, uh, yes. So we'll have to figure out some stuff and I, uh, will have to remember the movie mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, that is as much information as we have. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a little up in the air uh, there, folks. Uh, something's gonna come. Like we might we might take off from the uh, Lady Lee proposes a film. I propose a film kind of thing that that might go on hiatus for a little teeny bit while Lee is focusing on her uh, schoolwork. I may end up just doing like some episodes here and there with uh, more guests again and stuff like that when Lady Lee can't uh, show up. But we'll 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 figure something out. Yes, we will. Yes, yes, we will. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this was fun. And yeah, yeah, these are always fun to do. We talked. I always our... love doing the worst more than the best because the worst it's always hilarious. Just rip into a movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, we we got a lot of uh, angst out and, uh, and and shit on some movies that we've been uh, steaming about for a little while. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll uh, be back when we're back. Uh, you still don't have any social medias 
really Lady Lee I'm anymore. I'm not. No. <laughs> no. Eventually I'll get back into it, but uh, it'll be a while. Like, I'm just having my energy and focus elsewhere right now, so. Mm-hmm. I will mention that, um, and I'll link it down in the show notes. Uh, I recently did an appearance on the, the podcast uh, Movies in 30 Minutes with uh, Mike Murphy and Iris and uh, longtime friends of the podcast. Mike Murphy's been on this show twice, and uh, me and Daniel were on their show back in the day. Um, and I've done some other stuff with Iris on some of Gary's podcasts, whole big incestuous podcast family, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, th- uh, movies in 30 minutes. And uh, we re- we did a review of The Killer from late last year. Um, the uh, Michael Fassbender movie, the uh, Hitman movie. And um, yeah, we talked about that. And uh, that was a fun episode. I listened to it uh, today. Uh, earlier on before we were, were recording and uh, it, was, it came out pretty good. So uh, yeah, people can check that out and um, we'll be back when we're back with whatever. We, it, you, you know how we roll at this point. If you've been listening for a while, s- stuff sh- leaks out on the feed, like those said porn stars with their <laughs> leaky cum. This, this is this the podcast has done too much drugs in the eighties and just can't, can't blast that fucking that cum rocket anymore. It's just we have someone who's still watching too. Yeah, what was wrong with you, CB Fall? <laughs> uh, we appreciate it though. Thanks for watching, dude. I hope you have a good rest of the night. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope you. Uh, I hope your your cum blaster is much more successful than ours. <laughs> This is the longest ending. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're 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 gonna get out of here because you know you better be fourteen, baby. Yeah. No, um, a lot older. <laughs> but uh, remember this, though. This time the gang's lucky. It's not the law or discovery or problems. It's just their supplier, Pete, with his number one chick and a new guy looking for kicks. Forget it, man, and get with the countdown. Shake this square world and blast off for Kicksville. Yeah, and we're going to do the now. Good night. Good night.
They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.